Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Staying up to the wee hours of the morning because I'm doing a wraparound just as I did last week. And Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, may well regret this. The Wally Pip of talk radio. You know, Wally Pip was a great first baseman. But then one day he called in and he said, Coach, I got a headache. I tried everything. Excedrin, extra strength with caffeine, anison. I've tried hitting myself in the head with a hammer, St. Joseph baby aspirin. I've tried Bayer aspirin, but this headache won't quit. So the coach said, you know, some Wally, let's take the day off, recover. We got this young Huckleberry from Columbia University from Washington State. He could play first today. His name is Lou Gehrig. And he played 2,170 straight games, becoming the Ironman of Major League Baseball. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen, because if all of a sudden you think you're going to take a day off and play best of, which is always worst of, Curtis Sliwa will be there. Just look at his full page. The John and Marco Gatsimatidis took out in the hard, hard copy edition of the New York Post on Saturday. All it said was, have a Curtis and music weekend. Because it's all Curtis Sliwa all the time. ABC always broadcasting Curtis. And as you can see, I conflate the music into what it is I'm going to be talking about. And unlike all the other shows here of all my colleagues here at WABC, whether they're males or females, they generally have guests from time to time. Whereas my guests are you, the callers. And let me break down the analytics now that it's dusk and we're heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle. Reality is that for the millions of people who have grown up listening to talk radio, only 1% of the listeners have ever even bothered to call a talk radio station feeling that, hey, I got nothing to say. Whereas this program and the many programs that I do all weekend long and plus the extra special lunch hour edition of Curtis Lee that you're getting for a third straight week starting in just a few hours. 
when uh, Bill O'Reilly gives you his 15-minute uh, update from 12 to 12.15. And then it's 45 minutes of lunch with Curtis Lee with WABC, where it's rip and read and commentary, no calls. But this is the time where we open up the floodgates, and it's your turn to be heard, especially when you consider that we just celebrated the Greek independence, the country most, most epitomizing democracy from the days of the Athenians who would mount the stage, conduct those town hall meetings, and it would be a give and a take between the elders, those who are middle-aged, and the young. That's what talk radio is, the most intimate form of communication. And you have an opportunity to participate as we speak by calling 1-800-848-9222, wherever you are. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You can get it on the app from any place in this globe. You can get it on the stream of your laptop computer or your worktop computer. Of course, your old-fashioned terrestrial radio that we grew up with. And your car radio, that that radio that's in your truck, your 18-wheeler, or your van. That's why we become the number one news talk station in the nation. That's why John Katsimatidis was able to rescue us from the ashes. It's almost like, uh, almost like the old, um, remember, ABC uh, logo on Wide World of Sports. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. We had defeat for many, many years. We had lost our self-esteem. We had gone off track. There were many times you would turn on 770 AM ABC, and it would be an endless infomercial, and you would say, I read already. I've had it. I've had it. And then all of a sudden we were resurrected, like Lazarus from the dead. You began to hear all these many voices, people that you had heard before, people that you had never heard before, and suddenly you said, wow. This is something that I want to be a part of. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Um, this is the period of time, though, that I have to uh, push forward with the Frank Morano crew. Yeah, Matt, the board operator, who has always tried acts of sabotage from time to time. And who is this? Carmela, Carmelita. What, 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 what's your name again? Camelia from Canarsie. All right, she's not part of Frank's crew, but I'm telling you this. I got these eyeballs everywhere. Alex uh, in the newsroom, they're doing everything they can to keep Frank informed because she's away in Hawaii. We'll give you an update when I take over his four-hour slot, as I did last week. And I may end up making it a habit. (laughs) I'll explain that later on when the buffer shows up, Dominic Carter who comes on right after the most requested, the most participated into the most phone calls that come into any of the many hours that I do at WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour. It comes on at 11 o'clock, 11 or 12, with my beautiful wife Nancy, the Animal Rescuer Par Excellence. And it just so happens this weekend we're celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary with our family of friends, the furry little creatures, our rescue cats. But I do want to dedicate this portion of the all-weekend affair of Curtis Lewa to the Greek Independence Day Parade. Uh, In fact, if you can, uh, you're a little bit slow, a little slow on the draw. You know, oh, man, you're like special ed board operators here. You know, I I realize, I realize, uh, you know, you're trying, you're trying, you're doing your thing. Sure you are. 
But I want you to go to uh, the song, last on the list. Opa, Opa. Yeah, you, you could see it. It's the last on the list of uh, the Curtis Lee with musical list. And see if you can play it underneath because I need a little of the accompaniment to get right into the flow of the Greek Independence Day Parade. It's the last song, the last entry of the day. I know it's a little difficult for you. That's it. That's it. Oh. Oh. Oh, it was magnificent. So many Greek Americans turned out to honor the independence of their country of origin, the father and mother of democracy that we and other countries know about and unfortunately don't often use it to the best of our abilities or take it for granted. It reminded me today of courage, courage as opposed to the cowardice that we've seen all over our country, not only in our city, not only the uh, unwillingness of grown men to come to the defense of the elderly, the women, the children, the infirm, but what we saw outside of that schoolhouse in Texas that has marred the image of Texas tough and of men. Because it was 19 men, fully strapped, fully armed, who stood outside of that school while these children, desperate as they were, were calling 911, begging, pleading for their lives. Their family members and others on the outside ready to rush in, prevented from doing so by the same police. And all we get are mumbles and stumbles and excuses. You would have thought the guy in charge would have just done what Japanese do when they disgrace themselves. You go off into an area. You get a Ginzu knife, a Rambo bow knife, and you go, Harry Carey. And just undo what you've done by your malfeasance, by your failure to address why it is you're a police officer. Because you're brave, you're fearless, you take on situations that average everyday people would run from. And these cops and their leaders, oh, hard to get them out of my head. So today, as I was online with the Guardian Angels, right behind our WABC float, I said to myself, what was the bravest of the brave when I was growing up? It's what I saw in the library at PS 114, Jungle Jenny Wilson's class. We'd go there, and the librarian once a week would say, hey, you can take out a book, but you better bring it back, or I'm going to get a warrant and kick in the door of your house. And let me tell you something. Your parent will end up giving you a beatdown for keeping the book out an extra day. Nowadays, it's, oh, it's so over the top. Well, guess what? I read a book that told me of the three days that the 300 Spartans defended a narrow pass in defense of Thermopylae. 300 brave Spartans took on King Xerxes of Persia, thousands of warriors, thousands. And on day one, they tried to battle their way through the pass, and the Spartans held the line. They did not surrender. They did not retreat. So King Xerxes said, look, if my Persian troops can't take him out, I'm bringing up my special forces, the Immortals. And the next day, they charged through the pass. King Leonidas was leading the 300 Spartans. 299 of them were slain. And one was told, you go back to Sparta, and you let him know this is like the Alamo. Remember the Alamo? Remember Thermopylae, the bravest of the brave. It's almost incomprehensible nowadays when we see all the uh, news that talks about cowardice 
instead of courage. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of courage and cowardice, as we move into the waning days of the school session for public schools, charter schools, private schools, it is amazing to me that I continue to see little children in pre-K, pre-pre-pre-pre-K, it must be like from two to five, wearing these depends on their face, wearing masks. You know, I'm saying, what, what the hell is this? And our mayor seems to be incapable of explaining why it is that these little ones are forced to wear these masks. That's more than two months after our mayor insisted he wanted to dump the requirement that two- to four-year-olds mask up indoors, outdoors, and whenever they're in school. And you know they're going to have to be doing this over the summer, right? Camp programs, all these other uh, extracurricular activities that you have for pre-K. And I say to myself, why? Why are you insisting? Why? Because you can do it? Because through the power of fiat or executive order, you can do it. It allows you to flex. It allows you to let everyone know you're in charge. You're number one, second to none. Why why aren't we removing the mask from these children? Ladies and gentlemen, I know many of you have been complaining about that, but for the life of me, this is not Fauci now. This is not Biden. This is our Mayor Eric Adams who was saying, well, I'm guided by our New York City Department of Health. Double Ufa on that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But because we're talking about education, because we're talking about the end of the year, the cycle, and for some of you, you have to be going to summer school. Remember what summer school was like? How many of you were forced to go to summer school? There was no freaking air conditioning back then. Now it's like, oh, you have to have air conditioning for the children. What are you talking about? The teacher would grab this long pole with a hook, pull it down, and remember the paint had encrusted in it. So you almost broke the window pulling it down. Sometimes two or three kids had to help the teacher, and it was like a blast furnace. As much as you thought you would be getting fresh air on the top, it was really hotter air, and then you couldn't close the window, so you were schwitzing in that classroom. And, you know, for a lot of kids, tough nuggies. You didn't do well during the academic year. Now you got to go to summer school. How many of you remember the rigors of summer school, or how many of you flipped the bird to the school and said, I'm not going to summer school. I don't have to go to summer school. I just worry about a week before Labor Day or Labor Day itself. But I'm not going to summer school. Well, guess what? Then you got left back. Oh, you can't leave any kids back. They'll lose their self-esteem. You got everybody's everybody's a winner in society. You can't make anybody feel like a loser. God forbid a kid decides I'm not going to summer school. Well, through social promotion, we'll just have to push him or her into the next grade level, even though there'll be a drag on all the other kids. When's the last time you heard of any kid being left back? In fact, some of you parents and grandparents out there, if all of a sudden you were told your your grandchild or your child were being left back, you would have a hissy fit. You'd want to sue your local board of education. You'd want to sue the principal. Years ago, I remember what happened. Kid had come home. He had the report card D on everything. D. I mean, D, 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 D. And so the kid would say, you know, at least it's not an F. But because you got all Ds, you had to go to summer school. And summer school usually started right after the hot, grueling July 4th weekend and would generally go right into the middle of August. And if you didn't show up 
for summer school. If you didn't pass any of your summer school tests, you got left back. That's right. All of a sudden, I remember there were kids who were like uh, in high school. They were like 22, 23, 24. They had beards. They had mustaches. They were like adults. And they were forced to continue to go to high school. Now, granted, they got what is called a general diploma. Uh, and that is basically just because they showed up, they inhaled, they exhaled. Then you had the Regents Diploma because you had to take the Regents Test. And then for some, they went to vocational high schools and they actually learned the trade, which benefited them initially, especially in a job market where skill levels were required. And in many instances, these men and women with their skills went on to become new entrepreneurs, small business people, and doing quite well to this day. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, let's go to the great George Carlin, best known for informing uh, everybody in this radio business of the seven words that we cannot say. In fact, I'm sure at the Talkers Magazine convention, These are talking heads that will be assembling uh, at Hofstra University on Friday. In fact, our owner-operator, a great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis, will be giving the keynote address to all these uh, talking heads from all over the country. But I'm sure that at a certain point in the proceedings, they will play the classic uh, comedic riff when George Carlin, wherever he would travel around the country, would talk about the seven words that you couldn't say. Now, I can't play it on the airways because there's not enough beep time. And he does such a magnificent job in explaining how that same word can be used, but then how it can't be used. And let me tell you something. If I had to play that cut of the George uh, Carlin performance, a guy who grew up in West Harlem, a guy who swam in the Hudson River to build up his immunity at a time when Lincoln Logs were floating by. And let me tell you something, that wasn't the playtime, Lincoln Logs. That was the sewage that would literally be pumped into the Hudson River. That same George Carlin that so many of you adored riffed on education all the time. Let me give you a few of the hors d'oeuvres of George Carlin in his prime. Education. Politicians know that word. They use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing ground here. Not too bad. You see that, Matt? You didn't really have to uh, give uh, too much of his uh, presentation uh, a brisk. And the way and the reason that we're playing vintage George Carlin now is in in depth. There's an HBO Max documentary about him, George Carlin's American Dream. You know, when he would do his comedy on the stage, a lot of it was at the Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side and Broadway, packed the house. And, you know, he would have those TV specials. And he appeared with, like, everybody from Johnny Carson uh, to... Um, Ed Sullivan, you name the show, Mike Douglas, Mike the, the guy was like a perpetual comedic genius, but he rarely, if ever, talked about himself, if you notice personally. It was all about commentary of things happening, like education, 1-800-848-9222. They said we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. He said, oh, well, you know, we've tried all of that, and the kids still can't pass the test. He said, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. 
That's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass, the school looks good, everybody's happy, the IQ of the country slips another two or three points, and pretty soon all you'll need to get into college is a pencil. Got a pencil? Get in there, it's physics. And everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Spot on. The great George Carlin. Even in death. I don't think there's anybody who rivals him when he uh, riffs on the issues of the day. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's start at the top of the queue. It's your turn to be heard. This is all about you. The better you are as a caller, the more engaging uh, you are, the more content you provide, the longer you get to speak. But if all of a sudden you're a Gabon, you're a Pisha, you're a Schmendrick, uh, you're like mumbling and stumbling like the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Uh, it's like the Sandman at the Apollo Theater. Uh, Matt comes out and gives you the hook. He does that very well for Frank Morano when he is here Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. How many times you've had to give the hook to Frank Morano, who meanders at times. I, I mean, for a young guy, and we still don't know how young he is. He's the oldest guy in talk radio. I mean, he could start mumbling and stumbling and meandering like uh, you won't believe. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Billy on his bicycle, who I've seen all over the four boroughs of the city of New York. Never saw him in Staten Island, but I've seen him in Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, and Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Curtis, my father grew up with George Collin. My father's little brother, my my uncle Larry, was George Collins' best friend to the day he died. My great uncle, my grandfather's brother, was the Monsignor of Corpus Christi, the church where they all went, and they were all altar boys. My father didn't like George Collins. My uncle loved him, but uh, my father said George was a real, like, he was a little wise ass. And um, he was famous for bashing the Catholic Church. That's how he started. It was it was him in the early comedy clubs in the village, and a, and a Jewish girl named Joan Rivers talking about what it's like to be Jewish. And an unknown co- black comic named Bill Cosby talking about growing up black. And they all would share the same, you know, share stage going after each other. And that's how it all started. But he was a little skinny Irish guy with bastard Catholic Church. That, that's yeah, no, 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 there's, there's no doubt. But I tell you, Billy, he would tell narratives. Uh, you yeah. mentioned Joan Rivers, who uh, went to Jefferson High School, East New York. Uh, uh, she would also tell narratives. Uh, Bill Cosby, uh, without being the perv, he would tell narratives about Philadelphia, where he grew up, and I'll discuss Philadelphia later because front-page headlines in the Philadelphia Inquirer this morning is that, oh, we had three killed, 11 shot, as mayhem grips uh, Philadelphia again and South Street, which is actually a place that a lot of people go. They go to the bars, the gin mills, they go to the clubs. But total anarchy there from their DA, uh, supported by George Soros, Larry Krasner, Unfortunately, got reelected. What schmucks, what putzes in Philadelphia to reelect this guy who wants to end mass incarceration, defund the police, defund prisons, and basically turn the criminals loose? And their police commissioner, could you believe it? Her name is Outlaw. What kind of, who is your police commissioner? Oh, that's Outlaw. You're kidding. That's normally what you call a biker, right? You know, MC guy, uh, pagan, a, uh, Hells Angels. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. She's the police commissioner, outlaw. And, and where did you find her? Because your crime is like going through the roof in Philadelphia. Oh, we recruited her from Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon? You mean where there was complete anarchy? It's like the Peter Principle. Do a lousy job in one city, 
And because it started with a P, Portland, hey, you could do a great job in Philadelphia where we have a DA who turns them all loose. Well, while the front page headline was blazing about this latest mass shooting in Philadelphia, it happens all the time, they were bashing me. And they said, well, you know, Curtis Lewis got to keep his vigilantes out of Philadelphia. Excuse me, you would rather have the Uzi toting, dope sucking, psychopathic machines? And the answer is yes, they would. Our number is 1 800 848 Let's go to Valerie, who's calling all the way from Florida with so many New Yorkers and folks from Jersey, Connecticut, and uh, Pennsylvania continue to flee to. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Valerie. Happy anniversary to you and your beautiful wife, Nancy. Well, thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Okay, I'm sitting here. It's a gorgeous night, and I, I want to say that the lady that called up about the boogaloo dance, and the one, two, three being the white walls, and the boogaloo being more like the dirty dancing, I'm a, I'm afraid to say that she was wrong. The boogaloo was invented in the 60s in the Bronx and other sections of New York. Now, hold on a second, Valerie, because there are a lot of people who may not know exactly what you're referring to. I want to go back to Eric Adams. It was on Friday. He was on the steps of City Hall. He had just introduced his new gun czar, a thug who had done time for manslaughter upstate New York. Naturally, he said he didn't do it for drug dealing who's run a nonprofit called Man Up in East New York that has received $20 million since 2010, and he can't account for any of the money, who hired his uh, his uh, <laughs> daughter for $60,000, his son for $30,000, and a stepbrother, and won't tell us how much he paid his stepbrother. And this is the only guy that Eric Adams could find to be a gun czar. He... The first of all, the press was all over Eric Adams because they said, this guy, what are you talking about? Guns are? He won't even talk to the police. He won't even acknowledge the police. And you're going to have the police have to get instructions from the guns are? Who is like, might as well be a primetime gangbanger? This was his defense of his guns are. But here's the uniqueness of this. Y'all trying to define the way y'all do things the way us. We don't do the one, two, three, one, two, three dance. We do the boogaloo. So you trying to say, well, what's this, what's this, what's this? You don't understand. This is not how we operate. You know, this is like a different way. If you're trying to stop someone that's carrying a gun that doesn't have a home to sleep in, don't have anything to eat, living in a shelter, and you start try to go to them and say, well, you know what? I got this philosophical principle that I learned in my theoretical class. Man, people will say, get out of my face. Now, Valerie... The mayor was going all ghetto on the white press corps because he knew he could intimidate him. But he did mention the the one, two, three dance, the one, two, three dance versus the boogaloo. So now you have a chance as a cognoscente to explain that. Okay. Well, I'm a dancer. I lived in New York and the boogaloo. I know people that danced it. I know people that their parents uh, danced it. It was invented in the 60s. And. If you remember Pete Rodriguez, a Latin singer and with the band, the song I Like It Like That was one of the famous boogaloo dances. It's, it's part African, it's part Cuban, and it's part, like, Puerto Rican. And it's all steps, and it's all syncopated steps. It's not dirty dancing. It's actually, you know, not easy to do. You have to, you have, to be, have a really good Latin bass, like cha-cha, merengue, salsa, 
to be, be to be able to do it right. Well, Valerie, Valerie, you, you you clearly have defined it so extraordinarily well. But to break it down to its simplest elements, really, the mayor was ghettoing, uh, going ghetto on the white press corps because he was trying to intimidate them by saying, "Hey, you white people." You don't understand. You, you do the one, two, three dance. Meantime, we do the boogaloo. So mind your P's and Q's. Get out of our way. And that's what he's going to say later on in the show. Yep. Yep. He was before the Holy Rollers earlier today in Brooklyn, before he actually marched in the annual Greek Independence Day parade, to his credit, he and his staff. But before he showed up on Fifth Avenue to honor Greek American constituents here, he was at a black church in Brooklyn, and I got to tell you, you don't want to go anywhere. You don't turn that down. You don't go to sleep. You don't turn the TV on. You stick with Curtis Sliwa because when you hear what the mayor says, you will say, what the hell is going on? Why is this guy playing the race card? I'm not going to give you any other tidbits of information, but I have it exclusively. That's right. Nobody else has it because, remember, Curtis Sliwa. I know where the bones are buried and who buried them. And along the way, friends of uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, when they get pissed off at him, because he can piss you off pretty easily, his humongous ego, he's so pretentious, uh, he's all-knowing. They all of a sudden turn to me, and they say, Psst, how would you like me to give you this drop? I said, wait a second, you grew up with the guy. Hey, he pissed me off. I said, oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. one 800 848 W-A-B-C. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Gee, I remember sitting in the classroom every spring and say, how the hell can I break out of here? I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Spring fever, that's what got over me. All of a sudden, I had a fever in my foot, and I didn't show up for three days. Came with a note from a shrink. He said, wait a second, how how come you got a note from a psychiatrist? Because the psychiatrist says there's no such thing as a fever in my foot, that I'm a little titched, I'm a little box, and that I may have an anger management problem. That's why you're going to let me take off as much time as I want. And they said, no problem. No problem, Curtis. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. Well, it's gotten worse nowadays. In fact, in the city school system, it is a hot mess. And a coalition of parents, students, and yes, teachers from the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, have joined in a coalition and said, this restorative justice crap does not work. With all the taxpayer money that we're allocating to this, instead of just suspending children who are incorrigibles or juvenile delinquents, Instead of excommunicating them, instead of expelling them, hey, look, I got expelled from Brooklyn Prep, a very prestigious Jesuit high school in Crown Heights. In my senior year, the Jesuits, they said there are consequences for your actions, Curtis. 
Look, don't let the door hit you from behind. And they shine their boots on my backside and kick me to the curb. And I never, ever looked back. But everyone else now, when little Johnny or little Sally is pulling out a switchblade, is threatening to blow up the classroom, is talking about how he or she is a gang member and is dealing drugs in the middle of history class... The teachers are not permitted to do anything. Instead, you have to say, restorative justice team, restorative justice team. I have an incorrigible, I have a junior delinquent who is in my class, who is disturbing the other students. And then they come rushing in and say, no, 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 no. You're ruining that young man's self-esteem. He's a special child. We're going to elevate him. In fact, maybe you're the problem, teacher, is that you don't know how to handle this. So rather, we, the restorative justice team, are going to take over your class and anarchy will prevail. Remember when I was growing up in the 60s and we were taught don't trust anybody over 30. They had a concept, school with no walls. You would go into a classroom and it had no walls. And anything would go. You want to fornicate, you want to copulate, you want to smoke reefer, you want to stare out the window, you want to drop acid and just like trip out. The teacher would say, this is a be-in. Be what you want to be because this is a school without rules and a school without walls. Well, guess what? It didn't work then. And in its reincarnation, it's not working now. And I am proud of the many UFT teachers, the parents, and the students themselves who have now joined together in a chorus in which they say they want real discipline. There's 120,000 less students in this bloated educational system run by the DOE. You know what the DOE acronym is? Dumbest organization ever. Out of a $100 billion city budget, which is already bulging, uh, and way, way too much money uh, ripped off from the taxpayers. Out of the $100 billion budget for the city of New York, $36 billion goes to the public school system. How is it their budget increases when they have 125,000 less students? And now we've been told by Albany that you're going to have to have less students. What, like four students in a class? You know, two teachers in a classroom? This is crazy. And then they wonder why so many parents will work two, three jobs to send their children to a parochial school, even if the parochial school is teaching them a religion that is not ingrained in their family. Like all of a sudden you have a little African-American Spike Lee kid from Fort Greene going over to Williamsburg and his teacher is Shlomo in a, uh, <laughs> in a shul because he learns to daven, he learns Yiddish, he learns English, and he learns better in that religious facility than he would in the blackboard jungle of his public school system. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Joseph, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, Curtis, how are you? I've had hey, better Curtis, days. I just, I just like... Uh... The people who know that uh, Como is going to be one of the first people getting the marijuana license in New York State. He's doing it with under he's the majority partner, and there's three black women, uh, two of them were convicted uh, offenders for selling marijuana, and nobody knows this. And I just think it's hypocritical for a guy who, for you know, 15 years was against it. Now let me uh, let me ask you uh, let me ask you a question, Joe. Uh, who's the chorus behind you? Is that a parakeet, a parrot, 
What is that? It's a parrot. Had them since I was 13. Now, this is what I want you to do, Joseph. I want you to have the parrot learn to speak like me. You know how a parrot can <laughs> mimic what they hear? Curtis, I don't think I could handle that either. Can't handle him. Listening to you all day would be tough, buddy. Can you like can you imagine if that parrot smoke like, spoke like me? Somebody would come visit you, and right away the parrot would say, "Hey, how come you're hanging out with the Mama Luke?" <laughs> yeah, see, you see, like they want it. Joe. They want to talk like me. <laughs> Let him be free. Let them express themselves. It's a school with no walls. There are no rules and regulations. Parrots can be people, too. But by the way, you are correct. Uh, the way the rules and regulations are for getting a state license, uh, in fact, the first distribu- uh, distribution centers will open up. It has to be state license at the end of the year. In fact, you have to be... Uh, you have to be uh, somebody who has been in trouble with the law in terms of uh, dealing drugs or using drugs in order to qualify. And I want to tell you, uh, 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 it's not even a secret. When Andrew Cuomo was growing up in Briarwood, uh, he was known to be selling nickel and dime bags out of a pizzeria there. But uh, Sergeant Pepitone from the 69th Precinct, who cleaned up everything for Mario Cuomo, the governor at that time, kept him out of harm's way. You may have remembered, not far away in the gardens, uh, she could have been vice president of the United States. She was the running mate, Geraldine Ferrara, as congresswoman with Walter Mondale as they were running for the presidency and vice presidency. Her son went to Dartmouth, and they called him the chemist. Friends of the Cuomos, uh, he didn't deal reefer, he dealt cocaine. I mean, he dealt with weight with cocaine, and he beat the rap. So, Joseph, we're going to keep our eyeballs on that because, let's face it, there's going to be a lot of influence in who gets those licenses. It's already underway in New Jersey. They have about 14 uh, state licensed uh, distributors for first medical marijuana and now the recreational use of marijuana. They're crowing. They're cavelling in uh, Trenton, claiming they're making millions and millions of dollars on the taxes. But there is still a burgeoning black market system, and the reason that it exists is because, um, well, first off, the quality control is not so great in the state-licensed facilities that you would just want to uh, shop there. But the taxes that the black market doesn't hit you with makes their product a hell of a lot cheaper than what you get from the state licensed stores. You can buy product, legal product, from coming out of state, but then you have to negotiate getting back to Pennsylvania as an example where it's still illegal. So if the Smokey the Bear troopers stop you on the Pennsylvania turnpike, you may have a problem. Although it's rare anywhere nowadays where people get busted for reefer, especially when they have possession of nickel and dime bags. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. When we come back, I have to do a solid for a caller yesterday who I left hanging. His name was Peter. And Peter had asked, I and my wife Nancy, who was an e-attorney a while back, to look into an elder law situation affecting his wife, who is in a long-term senior citizen home. He's been through uh, the probate court system, the surrogate court system, and I got to tell you, it got a little too complicated for myself. It got way too complicated for my wife, uh, who is an e-attorney. So we're coming on with our specialist, 
from the KG Law Firm up next because there are many of you that I've run into, especially recently at the Memorial Day parades and the one that I was the Grand Marshal in, Little Nick Douglaston, were asking me all kinds of questions about probate, surrogates, uh, their, their loved ones in those long-term senior citizen units, and what could be done if they were wronged and how can they get justice? Well, you can get justice through the KG Law Firm, and we'll give you an update. You don't want to go anywhere because in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about the boogaloo, right, and the one two three one two three from Eric Adams and his defense of the thug that he chose as gun czar who did a manslaughter charge. And then, of course, we're going to play for you what the new gun czar had to say before the house of Al Slim Shady Sharpton in defense of himself. When you hear this, it will rock your world. He said black people cannot be racist. Only white people are racist, which qualifies him to be friends of Sharpton and friends of Eric Adams. W.A.B.C. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Post Malone on behalf of my wife, Nancy, as we celebrate our fifth anniversary. Best thing I ever did in my life of 68 years was marry Nancy. She's the keeper. And we're going to celebrate our fifth anniversary. I'm inviting all of you because guess what? I can do that because it's free. F-R-E-E music to a lot of your ears out there who throw nickels around like manhole covers. It's the Garden State... Bank Arts Center, PNC, in Homedale this Thursday. You don't want to miss it at 7.30 p.m. I'll be there with Nancy. It's a great monument outside to the war dead from Vietnam. Pay your respects first, and then come on over because your MC, your host for the night, is our own cousin, Brucey. And what a night it's going to be. You're going to get to hear from Tommy James and the Shondells, Little Anthony. I hope it's with the Imperials. They used to sing doo-wop and acapella on the rooftops of the Nitra Projects in Brooklyn. And the 1910 Fruit Gum Company, Vinny Maduno, the Staten Island kid who is like rocketing to fame here on WABC. He'll be there. Our owners and operators, John and Margot Casmatidis, our uh, Capo di Tutti, our general manager, Chad Lopez, and all the people you hear from on the radio and a lot of people who work behind the scenes. And it's all free. And I'll be celebrating my fifth wedding anniversary there with the one I love, Nancy, the best thing that has ever happened in my life. But right now, I and Nancy dropped the ball for our caller, Peter, who reminded me just yesterday how I left him hanging. Peter was traumatized. He was in a situation in Queens where he needed elder law assistance because his wife uh, was in long-term uh, senior citizen care. 
He had to go through probate courts, surrogate courts, and they were giving them the rope of dope. Uh, and KG Law has always been there for folks like you. I'm going to have to hand it over to the professionals. Uh, what what exactly uh, can be done, Jeff uh, Guzman, for somebody like Peter or other folks like Peter who are struggling this with this, uh, where they they're still married, but they've been separated because the one they love is in a long term care unit and they rarely, if ever, get to see them. Yeah, Curtis, how are you? Good evening. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, the so the issue is that they're that they're being blocked from seeing their their loved one in the nursing home. That, that what's going on? That and also issues uh, dealing with estate issues, wills, uh, probates, those kind of things. You know, a lot of people nowadays, as you know, Jeff, uh, they're married maybe for a second time or third time. So there are a lot of sometimes children or grandchildren involved. Um, what would your advice be? I know uh, I'm going to ask Peter to give you a call, but in general, because... I've I've heard all these horror stories when people get involved in the probate and the surrogate court system. Yeah, I mean, especially now. I mean, the courts have, because of uh, because of COVID are so backed up. The surrogates courts it's taking like a year just to get uh, to, to get letters of administration. So basically, what happens is if you die in the state of New York without a will. Um, and uh, and uh, you have a cause of action, for example, because uh, you were uh, negligently treated in a nursing home, or just for basically any estate issue. You have to your your survivors are going to have to go to the surrogates court and get something called letters of administration. And uh, so basically, they're limited letters. The court gives you the opportunity to you know, appoint you as the uh, administrator of the estate for the purposes of handling certain aspects of the estate. One of them might be bringing a lawsuit, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the lawsuit, the letters are limited because you have to go back to the surrogates court um, to get the limitations uh, lifted. And the surrogates court will give you an order telling you how to dispose of various different properties. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a form. Uh, it's not as complicated as people think, but you're going to need an attorney. And um, it's going to take a lot of time right now, unfortunately, because the courts are so backed up. Now, Jeff Kozman, over the years, including with my own family on my mother's side, I noticed that they could get along on the Italian side. They would get together every Sunday. It was a tradition, you know, meatballs and spaghetti and gravy, and they all got along, and they would all tell you their narratives, and they'd sing songs, they'd play cards. They were having a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden, in the waning years of my grandmother, Nicoletta, and my grandfather, Fidel, it's almost like all of a sudden they, the hatchets came out. You would think that, you know, it was Elon Musk, what they were leaving behind. And, in fact, it, <laughs> it was like, you know, it was like money in the Medaglia d'Oro coffee can that my, my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, had dug near the fig tree. And they got vicious. They got predatorial. And they were at each other's throats. People had lawyers. What would your suggestion be in terms of taking an easy pass solution to this and not creating all this emotional drama that will haunt them until the ends of their own days. There's no doubt about it. I see it every day. Families get along, and then all of a sudden, money gets involved, and things go haywire. And there's a really simple solution, very simple solution. Have a will. A will answers deals with everything. 
because when you have a will, you name the executor, so you name that family member that's going to step up and take the role of handling the issues and dealing with the court or dealing with the attorney to probate the will, and then you lay out in the will exactly what, how you want all of your assets to be dispersed, uh, and it's as simple as that. And the executor then has, uh, has, doesn't have any limitations. The executor then can just simply take control of the situation and has the fiduciary obligation pursuant to the will, and the court does oversee that. And that person who's entrusted as the executor or the executive tricks, if it's a woman, then simply can separate and, 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 and split the property with minimal court involvement. So have a will. It, it saves so much trouble. Now, there are many families uh, I've met in both uh, New Jersey and New York uh, who the patriarch of the family was uh, an intellect, you know, had like a graduate degree, sometimes a Ph.D., was very knowledgeable. And then they found out upon his death, you know, somebody who had been married once or twice, so they're multiple family members, that in fact he had two wills. He had a will that he devised uh, when he was with his first family, and then all of a sudden he has his new family. He devises a second will. Which will holds up in court, or is it Michigas? Is it chaos at that point? No, if, especially if, if the will is done correctly, the, the, the second will or the last will is the superseding will. Um, you know, and typically lawyers will know that when they're preparing this will, that they acknowledge that there were pre-existing wills and that this will is superseding it. It's pretty simple. All right. Now, uh, give us an update. We're going to have a new governor in New York State in November. We have to go through the primary processes. Uh, there are four Republicans running. Uh, Hochul is ahead in the Democratic primary what has happened since Governor Cuomo decided he would uh, he would exit stage left, uh, leave the governorship, turn it over to his lieutenant governor, Hochul? Whatever happened with all the mismanagement of the long term senior citizen homes, the care for the patients and the uh, opportunities for loved ones uh, to make sure that they can get justice for all the injustice that was done to their friends and relatives? Well, not, not enough is being done. Um, and actually, I, I, I spoke briefly with the, with the governor's office uh, about this uh, not too long ago. We were hoping that they would, you know, the, the, the state acknowledged that the, it was a fiasco with the nursing homes and, and telling the nursing homes to take in COVID-positive patients um, and the nursing homes making the decision to do so, even though they didn't have to, but did so for financial reasons. The state came out and admitted that, you know, that they were underreporting the deaths, et cetera. So the state had a lot of culpability, and we were hoping that the state would step in and create a, a fund um, to, to compensate the, the, the families uh, for this disaster situation. But there were promises made, and, and, and there has been some conversations, but nothing of substance has, has come from it. Uh, the, the governor has been saying of late, well, we're kind of taking a, a more regulatory approach, in other words, trying to uh, make sure that there are regulations to make sure that this doesn't happen again. But that doesn't really help the 16,000 families that lost loved ones uh, this time around. And then so really quite frank. And then yeah. finally, uh, Jeff Guzman at KG Law, 
in New Jersey, Governor Murphy barely got reelected against his challenger, Citarelli. There's primaries on Tuesday, although they don't affect who the governor is. He's there for another four-year ride. They had as serious a problem in how they handled their senior citizens. It didn't get the same amount of coverage. What have they done to make amends, uh, to make sure that justice is given to the families uh, of those who perished or maybe were seriously uh, made uh, more ill as a result of how that was handled, how senior citizen issues were handled during the uh, coronavirus uh, when it first hit? Well, New Jersey is being more proactive. Uh, I'll give them that. And, in fact, uh, they've already resolved all of the nursing home cases where the state uh, actually ran the facilities, the the nursing home facilities, specifically veterans, uh, veteran homes. And so the state recognized that they made mistakes, that they were telling, that they were giving poor guidance to the nursing homes, that they were having the nursing homes take in these patients, even though they knew the nursing homes knew, the state knew that the nursing homes were ill-prepared to take in these uh, these uh, patients and that it was going to cost the lives of existing residents. So they uh, they have acknowledged it and they've they've settled those cases. Now, now, um, now Jeff, New York uh, would do the same. Jeff, with just a little less than a minute to go, if people want information, want to be able to talk to you at KG Law, how do they get in contact with you, Jeff Guzman? Sure, absolutely. So uh, give us a call at the office, and, and uh, in regards to those nursing home cases, we'll give you a free consultation. Uh, call us at 212-227-2900, or you can always reach us at kglawteam.com. And I'm going to be referring Peter to you. Uh, we dropped the ball. I dropped the ball, as did Nancy, my wife. Uh, that's not really uh, our uh, field of expertise. Uh, the folks at KG Law. They know it from A to Z. Obviously, Jeff, uh, he's personally going to give you as much attention as he humanly can. And for all of those that I see out at the uh, PNC Bank Arts Center for the Cousin Brucie Free Concert, 730 on Thursday, June 9th, uh, I know a lot of you are in that age category. You're going to want to have some kind of conversation about elder law assistance. And I'll hook you up with Jeff Guzman of the KG Law Firm. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
Axel Rose in the cornfields of Indiana had no idea that this song that he sang with Guns N' Roses with Slash there, with the hair all in his eyes, ripping, could actually apply to what is happening all over our country in this uh, spring, moving into the summer of 2022. It's one big crime blotter, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Let's start off first with Chi-Town, the murder, gangland, carjacking, drive-by shooting capital of America. Imagine they've earned all four of those titles. They're going for the Quinella. But do you think their mayor, Lightfoot, or as I call her, Lightweight, knows what the hell she's doing in Chi-Town? The answer is no. For example, a Chicago cop was shot in broad daylight. That's the third cop who has been shot in just one week. The gangbangers are running that city, and I've dealt in Chicago. It's like my second city. I was uh, raised there my first four years after I was birthed in Brooklyn Hospital. My father was from Chicago. We went out to Chicago, Southside 46 in Rockwell. I battled there with the Guardian Angels against the Black Gangster Disciples, the Vice Lords, the Latin Kings, And they have dozens and dozens of street gangs who rule the city morning, noon, and night. The cops are outnumbered. The cops are outgunned. For many of you who remember the cult classic, The Warriors, from back in 1979, the Paramount picture that exploded across the nation, when Cyrus summoned all the gang members to Van Cortlandt Park, right before the Westchester border, looked out to a sea of um, degenerates and knuckle-draggers and said, there's way more of us than the cops. It's our city. We can take this city over. And then he got shot. And you know the rest of that story. But that could be happening in the south side of Chicago, the west side of Chicago. The cops are outnumbered. They're outgunned. Their morale is at an all-time low And things continue to get worse and worse and worse. I already told you what was happening in the murder capital of the Northeast. That's Philadelphia. They have more murders than they've ever had before. More carjackings, more drive-bys. Just open crime morning, noon, and night with a uh, police commissioner whose name is Outlaw. Oh, my God. (laughs) That tells you a lot there. And whose district attorney, Larry Krasner who believes in turning all criminals use, defund the police, defund the prisons, turn it over to the criminals as he is, got reelected. What what is that? And people listening to us in Philadelphia now, the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, and I'm really pissed off because they're on the front page today of the Philadelphia Inquirer because of the three that were shot and killed, the 11 uh, who all got uh, shot in that mass shooting that occurred in South Street last night, which is where people in Philly go to party, uh, to go to restaurants and bars and nightclubs. And they got an article attacking me and the Guardian Angels who are there calling us vigilantes. We don't need any vigilantes in Philadelphia. You know what you need? You need a colonic in Philadelphia. You need Bronson in Death Wish 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. That's what you need in Philly. And they're casting aspersions on me. Ah, I'm used to it. And then there's a city, a very small city north of Chicago on your way to Milwaukee. It's called Racine. And this really indicates how bad it is in America from coast to coast. 
The bigger cities get all the attention, but the smaller cities have their problems to imagine. You're at a cemetery this past Thursday, and you're paying tribute to friends and relatives who have come from far away to bury, to bury a guy named King who was killed by the Racine police officers on May 20th following a foot chase that began as a traffic stop. The guy King, who was buried, had a gun at the time. As they're sitting there, as the coffin is being lowered, 20 to 30 shots were fired at everybody who was paying their respects. People went running in all different directions out of the cemetery. The cops had to basically put the cemetery in lockdown. They put everyone on the ground for their own welfare, right, for their own well-being. Hit the ground, hit the ground, shots fired, 20 to 30 shots. And as they're putting them on the ground, they notice all these worshipers, all these people paying their last respect, they're all strapped. They got sawed-off shotguns. They got AK-47s. They got 9 millimeters. They came to a funeral and a wake to bury this guy. And they knew that gang members who wanted this guy dead first before the cops shot and killed him were going to come in and probably shoot up the coffin before they put it in the ground. That is crazy. That's the way it's getting. That's Racine. It's not different than Kenosha, right? Kenosha, remember, Rittenhouse there in Kenosha, small town. Racine, Kenosha, Milwaukee. And then that crazy guy, remember, in his SUV, Brooks. How can we forget the racist? Remember that? Brooks, the black guy who took his SUV, drove it into Waukesha during the Christmas parade which was actually in November, not December, and mowed down all those grandmas, killing many of them. Remember that? And when you went to his social networking, he hated white people and he hated Jews. This is very important that I mention all of this because you're going to hear from our new gun czar a statement he made just yesterday at the National Action Network of Aslam Shady Sharpton. And let me first explain that when he was introduced to the public uh, at a media-attended press conference outside of City Hall on Friday, it did not go well. But before we go to that, because Eric Adams dug in and played the race card, let's go to a discussion about crime that took place with John Katzmatidis and his various guests and the roundtable discussion that he hosts every Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock with a guy who is smooth, who has been there before for Commissioner Bratton in Los Angeles in New York, previously a reporter for the old Metro Media Channel 5. I remember Mark Monsky was the the, uh, news director. He had a gun strapped to his uh, ankle. He said, this is my guardian angel. And a little uh, teenager named John Miller, I think was from Jersey City, was chasing 911 calls, and he was strapped. He was a cop cop buff at a very young age and is now the deputy commissioner for Police Commissioner Sewell and for Mayor Adams. And he very coolly and uh, commonly, and in the kind of language that an average person can understand, explained where we are in terms of the crime stats and the reality of crime to the uh, to I believe it was Lydia Serrano who was asking him the questions. Where the perception is among New Yorkers 
that crime is out of control. Deputy Commissioner John Miller, how do you reconcile the two? Well, it's hard because it takes a it takes a long. There's a difference, as you point out, between um, how safe people are and, and how safe they feel they are. And the things that make people feel less safe are not really necessarily violent crime. It's the it's the um, confrontational person you will see on the street or in the subway. It's the signs of disorder. Um, out on the street. And what we're trying to do is attack that on all fronts. So smooth. Uh, He's uh, seen it all. He runs the anti-terrorism unit. An outstanding job keeping us safe and secure. He was uh, on the edge. They were thinking of getting rid of him. But hopefully uh, more sane and sober minds have prevailed because he's able to lay it all out. By the way, remember John Miller uh, when he was at it, NBC TV would follow John Gotti Sr. He would he would break news on John Gotti Sr. before he went to Marion, triple life without parole, then dropped dead of throat cancer and went, went straight to hell without an asbestos suit. It was actually John Miller who told me uh, on the side, you know, the Gottis planned your execution. Yep, the Gambinos did it. Don't tell anybody because I got to trail this guy each and every day all over the place. And... He also answered the question about uh, gun violence and how to get the guns off the streets of New York. And he had a little good news for those listening to uh, the roundtable discussion of John Casamitidis. Good news is, as we're rounding, um, next week would be the eighth week, but we're rounding seven weeks of steady declines in shootings. Um, That is not an accident. That is the result of, of a strategy uh, the Bronx was driving shooting statistics for a while. We flooded the Bronx with cops. We um, doubled the number of SRG, the strategic response team members, our flying squad, uh, and and intensified the patrol up there. Uh, we have a couple of very good crime fighter inspectors. One's got the north and the other's got the south. And, you know, they've divided the borough um, and they're really focused. So we are seeing results in reducing violent crime, gun crime. Smooth. Smooth. You feel comfortable with John Miller. Uh, why didn't Eric Adams appoint John Miller the gun shot? Remember, he's the one who first interviewed Osama bin Laden in that cave in Afghanistan and brought to our attention that this guy wanted to destroy America. Nobody paid attention. But to his credit, he let us know. He let us have a heads up. And the Clinton administration and Bush 43 did nothing. And we all paid the price as a result of that. Okay, so you heard John Miller. Thank God he's still deputy commissioner of the NYPD. Well, we heard from the new gun czar appointed by Eric Adams, the mayor. This guy has a tainted pass. It's very open knowledge in the streets of New York that he did time for manslaughter upstate and for drug dealing. Although, like everybody else who ever did time for manslaughter, I didn't do it. Okay. And he's already received millions of dollars of federal, state, and city funds for a nonprofit group he runs called Man Up, in which uh, they try to suppress violence in East New York. Uh, But they have a mantra. Uh, They don't attend gun buybacks because they don't want to be seen with the cops or the DEAs uh, working with government. And they believe that snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So they're not going to give up any information to the police. Like, how the hell are you going to work with the police as guns are? And then realizing uh, that his uh, appointment, Eric Adams, was floundering, 
he asked his friend, Al Slim Shady Sharpton, that he's known for years, could you uh, host him at the National Action Network on 145th Street in Harlem right before you take the bridge over to Yankee Stadium in the Bronx? And actually, Sharpton put together his uh, weekly gathering on Saturday, and he introduced this guy, Antoine uh, Mitchell, to his congregation. Listen to what... Mitchell had to say because it means double trouble for all of us. There's no difference between a white racist assassin in Buffalo and a black racist. Let me back that up because I think we can't even be racist. A black miseducated, misguided missile with a pistol in his hand. Now... I want to play that again, Matt, because he was on his way to saying the right thing. You know, he was doing an ebony and ivory. There are white gun nutniks and white supremacists, and there are black racists. He was like he he had quantified it as, yep, the world is filled with them. They come in all colors. And then he walked it back. Listen to what he had to say. He was spot on. And then all of a sudden he looked around at Al Slim Shady Sharpton in the crowd and he realized, yeah, I, I can attack white boys, but I better not claim that blacks are racist too. There's no difference between a white racist assassin in Buffalo and a black racist, let me back that up because I think we can't even be racist, a black miseducated. So according to this street smart guy, Mitchell, who has not accounted for millions that he's received in federal, state, and city funds, he hasn't filed any paperwork with either the Attorney General Tish James, but she ain't going to investigate him. His complexion is his protection from her. Uh, If his name was Trump, she'd be all over him. Oh, oh, yeah, Trump, Trump family member, Trump affiliation business. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to put together a grand jury investigation. You're supposed to file as a nonprofit. I've run a nonprofit, the Alliance of Guardian Angels, since 1980. We started the group in 1979. It wasn't an easy process to get your 501c3. You have to report uh, to the attorney general of the state of New York every year. That's Tish James. It's an open book. Anybody can look. Uh, at your financing, and that's the way it should be, and you have to file with the IRS because people who donate to you can write it off on their taxes. That's very fair. Guy hasn't done anything since 2018, and the Department of Investigation cited him during the de Blasio years and said, what's up with this guy? He's hired his son at $30,000, his daughter at $60,000, his half-brother. Uh, he had $15,000 of the group money in his own personal bank account. You know, that's like not kosher. And where did the rest of the money go? Oh, so de Blasio said, don't worry about it, and gave him more money, more of our tax dollars. So the heat is on Eric Adams, editorially from the Post to the Staten Island Advance, to commentators in between their hip to this, this tricknology so Eric Adams, before he went to the annual uh, Greek Independence Day parade, uh, he did a good job there. It was good that he showed up, showed the Greek Americans uh, he had their back here in the city of New York. But he went to a uh, black church in Brooklyn, and he broke wild on the media and anyone else would dare, dare ask any questions about 
his choice to be gun czar of the city of New York, Mitchell. People have been making money off of us. Downstream reaction is a profitable reaction, and people have been making so much money off of us. Now I come along, I am not fighting against policies, I'm fighting against their profit. And what I'm saying and doing is hurting the bottom line of those systems that have eaten off of us for years. So that's why you see all those negative stories in the paper about me. That's why you hear all those attacks. That's why you hear the constant why Eric should not have been mayor. That is what you're hearing. And so when you have all those folks that are running around that look like us and buy into that philosophy, I need for you to say in a very godly way, Negro, you're not going to help him leave him alone. And let him do his job. Let him do his job. You're not going to stand with him. You're not going to stand with the team. Then you need to move out of the way. Because other folks had, have had it for so long and did nothing with it. So now he's here. He's doing the job. You need to go get out of his way and let him accomplish this task that God put him in a place to do. Don't get in our way. Get out of our way and let us do the job that we were elected to do. Thank you, Pastor Aker. Thank you, church. Lift us up in your prayers. Thank you. They were playing the organ in the background like he was the holy roller there, right? Did he say, Negro, get out of our way? Carmelito, Carmela, I forget what your name is. Camelia. He said, Negro, get out of our way, right? The end bomb. The end bomb. I was in the church. <laughs> what the hell was that? This guy's going ghetto on us. He's playing the race card. Now, look, there are legitimate questions about his guns are Mitchell. First of all, what do you need a guns are for? He's just a citizen. Apparently, you have to meet with him once a week if you're the police commissioner, if you're the deputy mayor of public safety, and you got to listen to this guy because supposedly he has street smarts. But then again, this guy and his workers who get paid with millions of tax dollars have already said to government, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So we're not cooperating with government. We're not going to attend gun buybacks. There was one on on uh, Saturday in Staten Island. He could have gone to the DA's gun buyback. Would have been his first. DA had one. I think they got back 42 guns, all different kind of conditional guns. The cops were there, but you didn't see the guns are there because they won't show up when government's there. Now, how do you justify that, Eric Adams? But you see, you can't question Eric Adams. He's got thin skin. Remember a while back what he was talking about, all the cops that he worked with over the years? Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department. Yeah. But then again, as crime has been going up in the city of New York, he wanted to thank God that he's mayor. I mean, I I, I don't know, maybe did God make him mayor? (laughs) I thought it was the voters who did. I have to make sure this city is safe, and I want that obligation. I thank God I'm the mayor right now and not those that don't understand the urgency of this moment. I think I'm getting under his skin a little bit. I think when he went out to Brooklyn in that black neighborhood and he saw some of the signs that are going up 
that say, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. It's starting to take its toll. Has nothing to do with me. He's just, the, the swagger man has no plan. And now there's a story that's come out, and again, this doesn't have to do with me. I'm just a messenger here. Remember when he took down all those homeless encampments and he was telling us that he was actually uh, visiting the shelters of the city of New York, not just those that are run by the Department of Homeless uh, Services, which are a complete disaster, but the ones that are run by the nonprofits that the city pays money to that have ripped us off for millions of dollars. But he said he's, he's visited dozens of them. Turns out in a report that he's actually visited... <laughs> oh, my God. This... This and I don't know how he uh, how he gets around this. His complexion is his protection because if you were a white guy, you'd never get away with these kind of lies. This is in the New York Post. Records show Eric Adams visited fewer New York City homeless shelters than touted. In fact, he might have only visited one shelter and spent ten minutes there, according to records. He spends more time at Club Zero Bond downtown hanging out with the TikTok girls and trying to keep up with the Kardashians. It's all cosmetics. The man does not have a plan. I've been saying this since I ran against him. And now he is saying that he's doing things. He says he rides the subways at night. He goes to the shelters. He'll have a photo or two taken by a staff member. And then, you know, they will tweet it out. They'll put it on Instagram. Uh, they will do social networking on Facebook, so it looks like he's actually doing these things. But look, it's the New York Post. Not I, the Post endorsed him. They ain't endorsed me. They ain't even give me a cup of coffee. I didn't even have a conversation with him. They anointed him as the new face of the Democratic Party, the law and order candidate who is going to do a better job than Bill de Blasio. Now, so far, we see he hasn't even visited all the shelters that he said he was visiting. Crime is out of control. And he appointed a gun czar who's nothing more than a guy who got out of jail for doing a manslaughter rap and dealing drugs. And then, not him, but de Blasio gave this guy millions. And then when he was under investigation for misappropriation of funds, they gave him more money. Let me, let's cut to the chase here. Come on. And the reporters, they don't do the deep, deep, deep dive on it. It's called kickbacks. You give me federal money, state money, city money, and I find a way through vendors and invoices to kick back money to the people who gave me money. It's the oldest trick in the book. And maybe some reporter out there can wake up, you know, and all of a sudden realize that Eric Adams is not somebody who can walk on water across the Hudson River to where he lives in Fort Lee to apartment 22H. He's like every other person. He has frailties. He's subject to being wine-dined in parking line. And let's follow the money and find out where the millions went to this guy Mitchell, first given to him by de Blasio, and where it was kicked back to because it didn't go where it was supposed to go. We have a Department of Investigation. We have an attorney general, Tish James, who investigates everything about Trump, but nothing about her own cronies, especially if they pay allegiance to the Democratic Party. Now, how do I know these things? I run a nonprofit. You have to file your paperwork every year. It's open for the public to be an inquisitor, to question you about every penny that you raise 
and then monies that you spend. And that's fair because in return for donations, people can write it off on their taxes. This, these, this is the people's money. This is money that would normally have gone to the IRS uh, and state agencies and city agencies to subsidize uh, their social budget. Let's open up the phone lines, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tony, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tony. Hey, man. Um, I think when when you speak about the mayor, you got to give this guy a little slack because he's actually trying to reach some sort of compromise with the police. And the police, I don't know what's going on. They're not doing anything. The other day, I was visiting Brooklyn, and the 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 meter maids aren't even writing parking tickets to people that are double parked, parking on hydrants. I've seen it for myself. I'm living in a bizarre world where no one's getting parking tickets anymore. Police don't do anything anymore. It's It's not the mayor's fault. He inherited this mess. Okay, so now, Tony, uh, remember, he was very supportive of uh, Bill de Blasio. In my final debate with him, we were asked, give a grade to Bill de Blasio for the eight years. I gave de Blasio an F. Uh, Eric Adams gave de Blasio a B plus. He really thought that de Blasio did a relatively good job. Now, okay, now he's the mayor. He's got to raise everybody's morale. So you mentioned uh, the traffic agents who work under the police. You mentioned the police themselves not being proactive. Well, their morale has been shattered, and Eric Adams has got to go out and be a cheerleader for them by he's got to have their back. And right now they don't feel he has their back, Tony. It's it's sad. It's sad, but you want to know something? The state of New York drove me away, and it drove a lot of other people that I know away. And let me tell you something, Curtis. I was a good taxpayer for the state of New York and the city of New York. And that's money that's going into the the, the coffers of New Jersey now. Well, so you're, not, you're, not, you're not alone, Tony. There are other people in New Jersey or they've gone down south to Virginia. A number two destination and, is North and Carolina. By the way, yes. Curtis, the state of New York, the state of New York, um, the city of New York, excuse me, they just sent out uh, tax assessments for property in uh, the city, everybody's property tax is going up. And that's because of the mismanagement that's going on in the city government now. They lost the tax base. Their uh, spending is out of control. And this didn't start with uh, Eric Adams. No. This no, started with, the good, with de Blasio. Yep. Yeah, now, now de Blasio, Tony, as you mentioned, uh, took a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball and destroyed the city that we love. Uh, but he's like a vampire. He keeps coming back. We buried him in Greenwood Cemetery. That's where he would walk around two hours a day, musing to himself blah, 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 when he was the mayor. He couldn't even walk through Prospect Park any longer because people of all different backgrounds hated him. And now he has the chutzpah, the ubers, the culions, the huepos, to run for the brand-new 10th Congressional District, which includes his own beloved Park Slope, uh, parts of Gowanus, Red Hook, Lower Manhattan, the Financial District, Wall Street, uh, Chinatown, and Greenwich Village. 
In a recent poll, he got 6% of the vote, 100% name recognition. Only 6% of the people said they would vote. There's like 10 people running. I told Anthony Weiner on Saturday with all his baggage, with all his personal setbacks, and by the way, he would have been mayor uh, if he hadn't gotten into double trouble the second time he came back to run for mayor. He was well ahead of the polls, would have beaten de Blasio in the Democratic primary. I said to Anthony on the air, many of you may have heard me say, Anthony, Run for that congressional seat with all your personal baggage. And he's got a lot. He could do, get more votes because he used to live there. He used to represent that area than Bill de Blasio, who is a household name. And the only reason he's a household name is people are used to giving him the de Blasio salute, which starts with a word that begins with F and ends with a word (laughs) that starts with U. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. big payback the story i just told you heads are gonna roll at the department of homeless services our mayor eric adams is not a happy camper tonight oh no he's not Godfather of soul, soul brother number one, James Brown, has venom dripping from his lips and smoke coming out of his nostrils because he wants revenge. And I have a feeling Eric Adams, after this expose in the New York Post that just broke, is going to want payback because this information could only have come from people in the Department of Homeless Services. Uh, Let me amend what I said. I said he had only visited one shelter. It was only three. And it was at dinner time at each of the three shelters, which that's when the clients are, what can we say, supple, more compliant, because if they're not, they don't get their dinner. You know, it's sort of like at the old Salvation Army. They had to say a prayer before they got their bowl of soup uh, down in uh, the Bowery. You know, dinner is the best time to see everybody be very compliant because you're not going to get your meal if you're in a calcitrant. Uh, he did not spend overnights at the shelters. Uh, for everyone of you out there, a lot of these homeless people, some who have really serious emotionally disturbed problems, when you hear them say it's not safe in the shelters, they are so correct. I've been in quite a few of them including what you call the MICA shelters. MICA shelters are special shelters run by the city for the emotionally disturbed persons. They need to be in psychiatric hospitals, not MICA shelters. You go in a MICA shelter uh, at any time of the day and night, and it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and everybody looks like they're Jack Nicholson with a hatchet. I mean, it is out of control. The rules are that the guards, uh, the private security or the Department of Homeless Service guards, cannot have a hands-on policy unless 
the client, they call the homeless clients, is killing uh, the Department of Homeless Service Guard or the private security officer. Other than that, it's total chaos. So half the people in the shelter system of New York uh, have just got out of jail, whether upstate or they got released from Rikers Island. They try to go home, but naturally, would you want some of these guys at home who all are just, are they just going to create chaos? So whoever's at home says, no, no, here's your hefty trash bag. All your belongings are in there. Go to a shelter. And then they go to the shelter and they run it like it's a tier at Rikers Island. And you got to understand now, uh, I've been to Rikers Island so many times. Why? Because I got locked up and I got kept in Rikers Island. But I deal with the correctional officers and they're, be, they're being perfectly blunt with me. Curtis, we don't run Rikers Island. The gangs do. The Bloods, the Crips, the Trinitarios, which is a Dominican gang, MS-13, 18th Street, that's a Mexican gang, Latin Kings. They run the jail. We can't go into their tears. They tell us what to do. The only thing they don't do is they don't break out of the jail. Because if they break out of the jail, then all of a sudden all hell's going to break loose. Even they figure that out. They can run the jail from inside the jail, but don't break out of the jail. It doesn't make sense. Why? You already run the jail. And these guys get out of Rikers Island. They try to go to maybe uh, where their girlfriend was or where their family was. And a lot of times they get rejected. So they're walking around with a... uh, Hefty trash bag with their belongings, and they go to a shelter. And then they run the shelter just like a prison ward. It's survival of the the fittest. It's Darwinian. The young men and the young women in the shelters rule the system. And if you happen to be an older uh, client, well, you better hope uh, they don't take everything that you got because that's why you see so many people opting to live in the subways, ride the trains, go into parks, walk around the streets, and lay down on the ground in the streets because most of these shelters, I kid you not, you know the movie with Jack Nicholson, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's what it is. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to BJ in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, BJ. Hey, uh, uh, Curtis, you left out uh, the boogaloo and the the two-step or the three-step. He was over here during the Jackson Heights Pride Parade uh, this morning, you know, with uh, that's that's a that's a wild sight. Yeah, well, you Uh, had uh, you had a turnout for what I could see. I wasn't there, but about 50,000 people. That's pretty damn good turnout. Oh, well, you know, it's very interesting because all uh, there's a lot of uh, of. gay people uh, that live in the neighborhood. Most of them uh, that are my neighbors have been so for over 20 years. Most of them don't go to that thing because what happens is you have all of the kids that come in for um, uh, from all the other boroughs. They come in, they go to the bars, they they act wild and stuff. They blow off steam and all of it. And, uh, you know, you got the kids and everything, uh Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, BJ, let me ask you a question because uh, the big parade is coming up in two weeks. Gay Pride in Manhattan, past Stonewall and Greenwich Village. I participated uh, in that for many years with the Guardian Angels. Not last year because the committee that runs it would not permit gay and lesbian uh, police officers to wear their uniforms and parade. And so Bill de Blasio, to his credit, said, I'm not going to march in the parade. You can't do this. Uh, this year, uh, Eric Adams has condemned them, but he's uh, a little more guarded. He hasn't yet said uh, whether he's going to march or not. 
Did you see any gay or lesbian contingents of police officers in uniform uh, actually in the parade, uh, the annual Jackson uh, Jackson Heights? Uh, gay Not and lesbian contingents, parade? but but there were very, there was a lot of interaction with the police, and a number of them were carrying the flags and stuff. Right. But not not a contingent. I might be wrong about that because I didn't see the entire parade. It's a very loud. I'll, I'll check uh, and when I come back on tomorrow, uh, twelve fifteen to one o'clock. Well, actually, uh, in just a few hours after Bill O'Reilly's update from twelve uh, to twelve fifteen, I'll have found that information, BJ, and conveyed it to our audience because that's important. If the committees that run these gay pride parades are digging in and once again saying uniformed police officers cannot march in the parade, uh, then it is incumbent upon Eric Adams to do what de Blasio did, refuse to march. Even in San Francisco, where gays and lesbians have far more political power than they do in the city of New York, the, the mayor there, who's extraordinarily liberal and progressive, said the same thing there. She goes, I'm not marching. If you don't allow our San Francisco police officers to march in uniform, you can forget me. I'm not showing up. Well, you know, uh, 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 Mayor, uh, Mayor Eric is is very interesting guy. He's very, uh, you know, he knows how to step, sidestep, boogaloo, uh, one, two, three, one, two, three. He fired all the city workers for not getting uh, vaccinated. Never heard from them again. Uh, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, he will do which, that which is politically expedient. And if there's votes on the table, he will dive uh, on them uh, like someone threw out uh, a pack of $100 bills. Well, you know what's uh, that's amazing, BJ, is that here it is. We're coming to the end of the school year. I've got graduations to go to for my youngest son, Hunter, who's 11, who's going into uh, junior high school. Uh, my middle son, Carter, who's going into high school, public schools. Uh, but they are, they're no longer in pre-K and kindergarten. These kids in public school who are like two to five, they're still wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah. He'll mask them up as much as he can. Uh, everything that's PC he goes for, uh, especially the mask is like uh, that's the, the, the shroud of Tehran to, to the, uh, the the mask crowd. Uh, they, you know, now in New York, it's very different. You go to other places in the country, it's very spread out. You don't have to, you know, uh, uh, you know, but, but I mean, if, if they can milk this, uh, pandemic restrictions and all these mandates, they will, uh, and keep people as frightened as all hell. Uh, and, uh, that, that's the fear. That's well, the, well you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing talent. he can do. He has a, a brand new, uh, chairman of the DOE, the Department of Education, I call it the acronym dumbest organization ever, with a budget of $36 billion on a, on its own, a guy named Banks. And there exists within the school system restorative justice now. It's not like the old yeah. days when I went to school. The dean would come for you and say, oh, yeah, you're acting up. Come down to the dean's office. Or by the time you got to gym class later in the day, the gym teacher would kick the hell out of you if you were bothering teachers yeah. or other students. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you you and I were we had the same. T- I had ex uh, Marines, uh, I had uh, Vietnam vets, I had uh, World War II vets that taught me. And let me tell you something: you 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 stepped out of line, you popped off at the mouth one 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 iota, and you were finished. Today, you uh, you can't do that to the snowflakes, uh, and the teachers that are teaching them are just as worse. Uh, they're very bad. 
they uh, they they send the kids to therapy. They, 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 they you know the teachers union should be broken because that's the only way we're going to get take the schools back. Uh, it traps very good teachers in a in a machine that uh, is dominated by very bad teachers. Oh yeah, and think and, of it, think of it. There are one hundred and twenty five thousand less students, yet their budget has gone up now. You know, supply demand is you got 125,000 less students because either they've left with their families to Florida or other states or the families have really buckled down and said, I'm not sending uh, our kids uh, to public school. So they work uh, extra to send them to parochial school or they got them into charter schools or they get them into private schools. You got 125,000 less students and yet your budget has increased by three billion dollars. And they still don't want to go back to work, and they won't go back to work, and and, you, and then you have the. T- I mean, it's it's awful. I couldn't be imagine being a parent trying to raise a kid uh, in, in these public schools. I would so much want to t- take them out. The, unfortunately, the parochial schools are are uh, out of reach for most people. When I was a kid, they were three hundred fifty bucks a year. They're like ten, twelve thousand dollars a year just to send your kid to parochial school. A lot that, of that—that's that, why you you need uh, vouchers. You need vouchers. Give it, give parents choice. What's really interesting is even though the Jesuits shined their boots on my backside and kicked me to the curb out of Brooklyn Prep a Jesuit High School back in 1972, and I never looked back, they had a great form of discipline. It was called Jug after school. Jug justice under God. You would go into a classroom with a brother or a priest or a lay teacher. You were separated from everyone else, the inmates. They actually referred to us as inmates because we were there, theirs for the next hour. You couldn't look to your left, your right. You couldn't have a conversation. You had to look straight ahead. If you even winked at somebody, you got an additional day of jug or you got weekend jug or perpetual jug, which was like, Life without parole. All summer long, you had to come in to Brooklyn Prep. Oh, yeah, you had to clean up the neighborhood. You had to pick up the the pebbles, the rocks, the broken glass on the football field. They would make sure you had work to do. They would give you toothbrushes and say, you see the crevices in the sidewalk? You're in jug. You're ours. Clean the crevices. And don't complain. And you didn't. 1-800-848-9222. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Start all over again. It's a nice day for a white wedding. 
And it's my fifth anniversary. With my lovely wife, Nancy, who will be joining us as she does each and every Sunday from 11 to 12 on the Animal Welfare Hour. She is a animal rescuer par excellence. And then I got to deal with Dominic Carter, the buffer between me and Frank Morano. But hey, it's wraparound because Frank's away in Hawaii. And oh, I got, I got the goods on him. And also, when I go from 1 to 5 in the morning, I will be exposing uh, the scheme that Frank is involved with in Staten Island. It was in the paper today. The Metaverse. Another scam. Like Bitcoin. Like blockchain. Like cryptocurrency. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen... I'm going to be celebrating my fifth wedding anniversary since I go around the clock uh, doing WABC different shows here all weekend long, as was featured in the full-page, full-length advertisement that John and Margot Katsimatidis took out in the Saturday edition of the New York Post. In fact, it said, have a Curtis and Music Weekend. As you can see, I conflate music that you don't often hear at WABC. With a lot of you, because you're my guest, really. I don't normally go to guests, but I expect to learn things from you, the callers. Only about one. One out of every hundred people in their lifetime call a talk radio station. And that's not happening on this show. No, that's not happening. In fact, I'm inviting all of you. I'm a big spender, big spender here for my fifth wedding anniversary. I want you to come and join me. On Thursday, June 9th at 7.30 at the PNC Bank Arts Center in Homedale, right off the Garden State Parkway. I got to tell you, right there, there's this uh, monument to the Vietnam War dead. Pay your respects there first, and then you come over, and you're going to be joining Cousin Brucie, who's emceeing a night that is absolutely unbelievable. With Tommy James and the Shondells. With Little Anthony and I hope the Imperials, because I remember when they used to do doo-wop and acapella on the rooftops of the NYCHA projects in Brooklyn, the 1910 Fruit Cum Company, and Vinny Madugno, the rising star from Staten Island. You're going to forget Frank Morano soon and say, huh, who from Staten Island? This guy, this kid, Vinny Madugno, at least we know his age. He tells us his age. He's a teacher by day at Richmond High School in the shadow of the Bayonne Bridge. He does a magnificent job teaching, and then he's entertaining at night, and he's got a set of pipes. He did an imitation at our ratings party that John and Margot Katsimatidis hosted at the Empire uh, Steakhouse with uh, our um, general manager, our capo de tutti, uh, Chad Lopez. He did an imitation of Jay Black. He hit those high notes. You thought for sure it was Jay Black back from the crypt. And now he's on twice on the weekends, five to six Saturdays before his mentor, Cousin Brucie, and five to six, as you heard him earlier a few hours ago, before uh, Jersey Joe Piscopo. And he will be there. You get a chance to actually meet the rising star here at WABC, Vinny Madugno, at the PNC Bank Arts Center in Homedale. Remember, it's free, free, free. That should be music to your ears. Thursday, June 9th, 7.30. Now, if you're taking a demolition derby uh, reject and you're on the Garden State Parkway and you realize, oop, we're empty, and you look at the prices at Luke Oil at the rest stops and you realize, wow, seven bucks a gallon, 
Remember, Luke Oil owned by Putin. It's 100 days since his invasion in the Ukraine. Whose side are you on, Putin? You're going to fill up your car with, with gasoline that you're paying Putin for, or are you going to push your demolition derby reject into the parking lot of the PNC Bankart Center to come and join me and Nancy, Vinnie Madugno, Cousin Brucey, the other hosts and hostesses of WABC, all the people you hear about but you never really see. You're going to get to know what a great night it's going to be, and all of it. F-R-E-E. Anyway, let's go to Sydney, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sydney. Hey, Curtis. Good evening. Yes, Sid. You can hear me? Loud and clear. Yeah, yeah, Curtis. Yeah, uh, this is Sydney, uh, your former volunteer who helped you uh, campaigning for the mayor. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, what is your... Uh, uh, suggestion about the uh, possibility of this week they passing the uh, carry permit uh, concealed for New Yorkers? Well, I think uh, it's a pretty good chance that the United States Supreme Court that has heard this case, Sydney, two uh, New York residents uh, petitioned the court. They worked up the federal court system and said, why are we being denied carry permits in New York State when we have a premise permit. That means they qualified to have a legal weapon in their house or their place of business, but they were denied a carry permit, whether it was concealed or not concealed. And the court initially has been very sympathetic to them, saying, like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. If you already jump through the hoops, if you already comply, if you're not uh, a enemy of society, you're a law-abiding person, why should you not be able to have a carry permit and I think uh, the uh, the court is going to rule, is going to make that decision. They expect it momentarily. Eric Adams, our mayor, has already freaked out. He said, oh, this is going to this is going to add to the violence. It's not. Uh, think of it, Sydney. There was that situation. I bring you back about two weeks ago in which that J train came over the Williamsburg Bridge. And that maniac was in the car, that tranny maniac going up and down that car kicking the windows, threatening everyone, grown men uh, with testosterone crashing through their cranium who had just come from the gym, all buffed up, right, with muscles uh, between their ears, were prostate, were impotent. And then he walked up to that, that woman. Remember, she was sitting there. She hoped he would ignore her. He said, where do you think you're going? And he grabbed her. And she was crying, please help me. Oh, he's going to kill me. Please help me. Wouldn't it have been great if one of those passengers had a legal permit to carry and he did a Charles Bronson on that guy? You know, that guy hasn't been, dis- hasn't been found, hasn't been arrested. Wouldn't it have been great if a, a legal carry permitted gunman took that gun out and said, you want to make my day? Release that woman or I'm going to shoot you right between the eyes. And if he had to shoot that person, that maniac between the eyes, who would have condemned him? Oh, we know who would have condemned him. Uh, Eric Gonzalez, the DA on the Brooklyn side, would have indicted him. Uh, Alvin uh, Bragg, the DA on the Manhattan side, would have indicted him. Uh, Eric Adams would have had a press conference saying we're not going to accept vigilanteism, Charles Bronson's, uh, Bernard Getz in the city of New York. And I would have been on the sideline. 
and I would have been cheering him with I know all of you because it, apparently it's the only way we can get control of this out-of-control system in which the predators, the enemies of society, the cretins with chromosome damage rule, and the law-abiding people are told to sit on the sidelines. Well, if you ca- qualify to carry and you're able to carry and you've proved you know how to use the weapon, why wouldn't we want you to be out there to protect the women, the elderly, the infirm, and our children? Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind, St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals, and Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the most requested, the most called into segment of the many segments that I do uh, all throughout the weekend. As epitomized in the full-page ad that John and Margot Casamitidis took out uh, in the New York Post on Saturday, it says, Have a Curtis and Music Weekend. And the primary feature uh, that person after person comes up to me and speaks about is the Animal Welfare Hour. That's where we're at right now with my beautiful wife, Nancy, we're celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary, and uh, I know you've had to uh, celebrate uh, this anniversary of ours, Nancy, with me away here at WABC, but I'm going to be a big spender. I'm letting everybody out there know that I'm taking my wife on Thursday to Homedale, New Jersey, along the Garden State Parkway to the PNC Bank Arts Center for a concert of all concerts hosted by our own cousin, Brucey with Tommy James and the Shandells, with Little Anthony and the Imperials. I mean, you see you see what a great husband I am, Nancy? I, I look forward to that, definitely, for sure. Well, the best part of it, it's free for everybody. <laughs> there you go, exactly. It's free. So, uh, yeah, come on out. And if you have questions of Nancy and you want to meet and greet Nancy, because many of you always ask me, Gee, I've never really had a chance to meet Nancy. I'd like to ask her about some of the animal issues that are affecting us in our community. Feel free to do so. But right now, we're going to go through a panoply of different animal uh, issues. And we'll discuss them at length before Dominic Carter joins us as the buffer to the uh, uh, 1 o'clock hour, where normally you hear Frank Morano, but he's away in Hawaii so I get a chance to do four more hours until the break of dawn. But Yeah, so Dom- Dominic doesn't have to be a super over-the-top buffer because it's just you and, and you. That's right. It's the wraparound. We call it the wraparound. And <laughs> if Frank Morano doesn't watch his P's and Q's, just going to give you a little hint here. I'm going to have this discussion with uh, Dominic uh, right before the top of the hour. We may put Frank on a hybrid work schedule, and I may end up doing Fridays and Mondays, too. Just on the hush-hush, mush-mush. That's bad news when you hear hybrid work schedule. Like (laughs) That's like something bad's coming down the pipeline. (laughs) But we had this discussion, Nancy. um, I won't mention his name, 
but mm-hmm. a very big mocker in the grocery supermarket business had a conversation with me in which he said, Curtis, I want to thank you for Tiger and Love. These are two cats that you rescued from the shelters. They were going to be executed and destroyed because they had been surrendered to the New York City shelter system. You socialize them. You turn them into a team. They're on duty 24-7-365 and a place that was overrun with mice, rodents, yes. and rats have no yes. problems any longer. I mean, and I'm so excited about that because, I mean, again, this is really their their nature in general. So, I mean, this is a job they were sort of born to do. So, I mean, it's great that they're doing what they, you know, need to do. And it's better than, you know, these places putting down uh, anything that has, like, you know, toxins or poisons. It's just, you know, uh, human nature. It's like the way things are supposed to be. You have these animals here. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's a lot of places that will maintain feral cats in their, you know, facilities because they realize it makes a lot of sense and it's actually safer and better for the public at large to have cats there rather than trying to, you know, douse the place with chemicals and toxins. So it's like, I mean, it's like it's a great sort of, a, you know, scenario that this happened the way it did. Well, it's a, it was a problem during the de Blasio administration. Eric Adams has inherited it as our new mayor. They estimate there are like eight rats for every one citizen. They're nocturnal, like cats are, so you don't often see them during the day. But as oh, oh you, you, and you know, like the the um, there was um, uh, people like we had uh, helped out uh, a, a bunch of women in the Washington Heights area a couple years ago, where the landlord was trying to get rid of the cats, and there was actually a story in the Post about it. And all of a sudden now the cats are gone, and they're actually requesting of these women, oh, do you have any cats you can put down in the interim? Because it's so successful. Like, they're realizing, oh, it's like it's a missing, you know, key to the equation. So all of a sudden they're reaching out to them when we were trying to help them years ago to just keep the existing cats there. So it's like, again, it's just a very natural, you know, equation. It's like... If you keep them there, they're actually going to do what they're doing, and you don't have to introduce anything additional. Can you explain to our audience what the city of Chicago uh, has done, which had the worst rat problem, the worst per capita per person of any city in America, and how they decided no more pesticides, no more traps, no more uh, dry ice uh, pushing it in their lairs, uh, but they actually went out and asked uh, municipalities that had shelters all over the country, give us your cats, give us your feral cats, because that's improved this situation tenfold. I mean, yeah, and, and again, like this is the role that a lot of cats have filled in uh, throughout the United States and throughout the world in general. I mean, this is what they've been like born to do. It's just a natural uh, existence, like coexistence of all these like living creatures. So when you see a surplus of one particular, you know, animal, but again, with the cats, the cats, they're actually in such demand in Chicago where there's cats who are in the shelters where 
they can't even be adopted out that quickly because people are looking for them. They're trying to request them. But again, this is their role. So it's like if you are, you know, again, if, if you want to have the, the cats as a more or less like rodent patrol, this is what they're born to do in a sense, like they're natural predators. So you want to bring them into the environment and all the places that do so, you know, they're not having to put down the toxins and the traps and all these additional things. So it's like, well, why wouldn't you take the path of least resistance? I think that's really the the overall, you know, learning equation from this. I think people don't understand, Nancy, that the power of uh, a rat, a rodent, or a mouse, knowing that there is a cat in proximity is so frightening to them, so stifling, that if it's a female rat, they can have many, many litters just within a year alone, create hundreds of of rats. They will abort their fetuses right on the spot just because of the paralysis of fright. It's a natural reaction when they smell a cat within their proximity. I mean, yeah, and and that's true. And so, like, paying mind to what's normal. So a lot of the stuff going on in New York City for decades on end is trying to consistently address, like, uh, little populations of the rats. But the reality is, you know, it's like any other living creature. They procreate in such, you know, incredible, you know, amounts that it's great that you get little, you know, amounts of them here and there, but they continue to exist. So you're trying to really come up with an overall equation that makes sense. And none of it has to do with just attacking them, like, periodically. It's you have to be more cognizant of the overall situation. So in nature in general... Uh, the only reason why rodents in any you know area would exist at large is because there's a natural predator that's being kept at bay. So in New York City, the natural predator for them is cats, and what's happening is, you know, the you know New York City, the shelters, and they're taking feral cats in, not realizing oh they have a part to play in, you know in this ecosystem of keeping the rats at bay. So if they started to incorporate the concept of colony cats and community cats and just fixing them so they're not creating additional cats, like this is where you start addressing the issue where it's going to make sense and it's actually going to have a like a light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah, I mean, you have to be logical about how you approach this. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's the Animal Welfare segment featuring Nancy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. You can ask whatever questions might have about dogs, cats, or other animals. Uh, Speaking of that, you have rescued two little kittens who themselves would have been destroyed in the shelter. You're nurturing them now. You're socializing them. And you took a picture of me with uh, the little critter, but we got to come up with a name. How can people see this little kitten with me and then volunteer uh, suggestions for a name? Well, so it's always on uh, all your social media stuff, so uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter, Instagram. And 
Yeah, just trying to come up with a name for her. So uh, this little cat is orange. It's like all orange. So, yeah, just trying to come up with a with an and and this is a boy, little orange cat. Like I don't even know if that makes a difference, but just like trying to come up with a name for these little cats. So, uh, it, it maybe like the past week and a half they've come around. So now they're they're almost not you know having to have the bottle now, but I mean they're very little, they're tiny. So you know I didn't want to put any labels on them initially. Because I wasn't sure, like, oh, who's friendly, who's, but again, like their personalities, and now they're like running around. They're just so over the top. So on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, if they look at Curtis Lewa, they'll see like a picture of you hugged up with like a little orange cat, and they can put their name suggestions in there. Yeah, and if they'd like to uh, offer to adopt, they could certainly do that because we have so many cats that you're rescuing and socializing and then putting out there because there are others who need to be saved. I'll also have it posted on all of our WABC social networking uh, uh, levels uh, tomorrow uh, on our Instagram here at WABC, on our Facebook, uh, on our Twitter. Uh, So we'll, we'll have, like, mass saturation try to come up with a name, and then try to get both these uh, little kittens adopted. Now, speaking, those are positive things. Let me bring to your attention a negative story Uh uh, having to do with uh, Hawaii, where Frank Marano is. I'm going to give an update on that when I uh, do his show from 1 to 5. But there are feral cats being shot with blow darts on a Hawaiian military base? Yeah, so so this is something that... Uh, recently uh, came out that there are a number of cats on this military base in Hawaii, and they're showing up with darts. Now, again, that would seem a little bit abnormal, but there's other situations in the past few weeks where cats have been attacked in different sorts of ways, a little bit more uh, graphically, but and this is all happening in in within the context of a military base. So, I mean, it seems like the onus ultimately should be on maybe the military just to figure out, you know, the people who are there, what, what's going on. Because, again, that normal protocol we always constantly reiterate every week. It's like people who are willing to do things like this to animals, you know, they would be susceptible to doing uh, bad acts to humans. So if this is in a concentrated area where people are in the military and these are people who are going to be caring for people in large, like you really want to be on top of this. So, Oh, and the, the pictures, of, yeah. the pictures are very graphic. You see oh, the, no, super graphic. the cats yeah. have been, uh, they have darts right in their neck. They're suffering and it's, it's a horror. And that brings us back to what has been the main story in the past month. We've had these two shooters, uh, one uh, who went into that supermarket in Buffalo, that white supremacist. Then we had that other guy who uh, walked into that school in Texas, uh, shot and killed 19 children, two teachers. And we find out in doing a deep dive about him, what's the one thing they had in common other than having guns? They were cat killers. They actually went out of their way to torture and kill cats. Both of them, had they, they didn't know one another. They came from different backgrounds. 
And yet the one thing that they did throughout the years that now people are revealing is torture and kill cats. I mean, and, and to me, that speaks volumes for the type of uh, oversight that the social media sources have, because they're very quick to shut down, uh, you know, feeds, uh, social media feeds, if it offends like what they call like their standards, right? And I don't think anyone knows what the standards are before they offend them until they get a, a letter like, oh, we shut down your thing. And so they're not really sure what it is. So, I mean, if, if I, I think unless you say something that's super over-the-top offensive, maybe there's a question mark. But to me, it's very questionable that none of these social media sites have anything that triggers someone who's abusing animals because if they were able to, you know, trigger those people a lot sooner, that could have, you know, saved obviously a lot of lives, but also why is it that they're shutting down people for words and not shutting down people for this type of abuse? I mean, there's a lot to be said for, I mean, they they could easily do it. So maybe that's really the, the only should be on, you know, putting the pressure on these places to shut down stuff and, and alert people to this like sort of a negative social media stuff. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go all the way out to California, where they have a major case uh, in their uh, state court system in their capital of Sacramento, where a court has ruled a California court that bees are now fish. Can you try to explain that? Because that, I mean, I don't know if they were having shrooms, doing acid smoking hash in typical California measures. But how does the court rule that bees are now quantified as being fish? Okay, so this is, I mean, like, certainly the uh, uh, story title is super intriguing. And I think it, it, hopefully it got as much attention as it should just to draw attention to this uh, distinction right here. But uh, basically what happened is, there's certain uh, levels of uh, maintaining animal care, even when these animals are destined for the food market, so to speak. And but to me, the the, the really interesting distinction here is that so what happened was there is a different environmental groups and different, you know, animal rights groups where they were trying to uh, get recognition for the fact that there's several uh, varieties of bee populations that are almost in, you know, extinction sort of a status. And they wanted to make sure that the bees were being accorded and, you know, being sort of uh, put under the same level of protection as what some of the other animals were being put under based on California law. And the groups that are fighting it are the uh, businesses that are utilizing these different types of bees. So, to me, I, I like I, I started trying to figure out like what's really the overall distinction here. 
it seems like really David and Goliath type stuff. So a lot of these different companies, they didn't want to satisfy any minimum protocols for bees because they said, oh, well, technically we're not required to cover them in the business that we're doing. But the reality is with all these businesses that make money off of animals, I mean, the animals, they don't get any kickback from giving their lives for for these businesses. So, I mean, they're on their own. So this particular story, it was a, a law school in a law clinic. So like when I, for instance, when I was in Brooklyn Law School, there was law clinics that were set up where as a law student, you could volunteer and you're helping people who are in situations where they can't, you know, foot the bill. And so this particular case involved law students at a law school going against a big law firm who was representing these different companies. And just like, you know, just a FYI, their salaries, it's like first year law associates, they make like almost uh, $200,000. Well, you know what I thought. What what I thought it was. I thought it was like what recently happened to our Top Gun here at WABC, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Greg Kelly. He got attacked by a jellyfish that stung him in Florida last week. We've seen stingrays who can sting you, uh, their fish, and then obviously we know how a bee can sting. So you see how far off I was on that. But anyway, our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Howard in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Howie. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Nancy. Congratulations Hi. on your anniversary. Thank you. I just wanted to say you're welcome. I just wanted to say that I knew a cat who was the friendliest animal I'd ever seen. He used to sleep on my stomach, and he let me rub his belly whenever I wanted to, and that shows trust in an animal, Yes, especially a cat. What is the what is the rub. the difference, Nancy? Because I've seen out uh, of the many cats you've rescued that you brought to the apartment. Sometimes, initially, when I go to scratch their belly, I get scratched. I mean, big time. And then weeks later, I have no problem scratching their bellies. How how does that transition take place? No, no. I mean, like certainly, you can't try to scratch a cat's belly <laughs> like that. That's so very familiar. That's not possible. And the other thing is, like, trying to pick cats up. I mean, most cats don't want to be picked up. If they're kittens, you can kind of, uh, you know, just, you know, they can't, you know, sort of defend themselves so you can do that. But most cats don't want to be picked up. And, I mean, certainly not scratched on their belly. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not something you should ever be trying to do with the cats. Well, I got to tell you, we've had Athena, who is the real diva of the colonies, uh, the colony that we have there in our home. I couldn't scratch her belly at first. She would actually growl and hiss and swipe at me, and she had these big paws. Now she actually rolls over when I come. She wants me to scratch her belly. And, and she's really big and scary because she's like 25 pounds. So, like, if she looks at you sideways, you're in trouble. Let's go to Mrs. Stone calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Mrs. Stone. 
Uh, yes. Good. Um, hi. Um, yes. Um, Thirty-three states are using humane rat mice control for deer, rats, mice, and raccoons, etc. Why is New York the last to get this? It's working in 18 states. That's the solution for everybody to the rat problem in New York. They're also developing a birth control pill for dogs. But we have to get New York to contract the contractors who are using a company called SenseTech, Humane Birth Control for uh, our street problem with rats. Wow, so they actually have birth control for rats. And mice, deer, and raccoons. But in New York, the rat capital, people are bringing the rats with their dirt. And um, we have to bring it to New York. 18 or 32 states are using it with success right now. Sense Tech in flagship Arizona would be the person to contact. They're also going to give us one day, hopefully, I'll live to see it, a birth control pill for dogs. And um, that would really take us to a new dimension. Oh, there's, there's um, no doubt. There's no doubt, Mr. Stone. This would be an incredible development. Uh, you're always dealing, Nancy, unfortunately, with uh, pets uh, that create more pets that were unexpected. And then uh, the whole routine begins of where can you foster them out? Where can you adopt them out? Have you ever heard of any birth control uh, apparatus that works with pets? Well, I mean, certainly uh, fixing pets, like, uh, from the get-go is, I think, the way to go. I'm not quite sure why. I mean, again, when I see people who are obviously clearly in our neighborhood, like, they walk around dogs and the dogs aren't fixed, like, I'm not sure, like, unless you're breeding them, which I don't even agree with. Like, I'm not even sure why you do that. I think every animal should be mandated to be fixed, like, on the front end, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, this is a situation that's very resolvable if you just started fixing animals. So, I mean, I think that should be something that is definitely mandated like I, I never adopt out any cats that i ever have to people without fixing them because i don't want to take a chance that the cat might you know procreate so i just make sure that's like part and parcel you know any adoption but i i definitely think it makes a lot of sense every animal should be fixed i don't understand why i mean again you have so many animals who are in shelters so until you start bringing them down that population and i'm not sure if it's a question of maybe some you know it, it could be just you need to have more um public sort of uh fixing sort of things like there's a lot of things where um like uh with me for instance i have uh the cats who are the feral cat and then you actually do things where it's like public uh sort of uh things where they get fixed like at large but it makes a lot of sense. If someone wants to bring their animal to the vet to get fixed, it could be a few hundred dollars, and that could be a little bit of a game changer for people. Like, they don't have that money, so they're willing to care for an animal and take care of them, but they don't have that money to lay out. But we should make it a lot easier for people to fix our animals because, 
I don't think they want to be dealing with like an unwanted litter. So again, I think all, all these um, different fundings that are happening through the city and the state, which is happening like to the tune of like millions of dollars per year, most of it should be focused toward making sure you're keeping the population not procreating at large. So that's so super important and should be prioritized and recognized. Like that's where it starts. If you keep the population limited, everything's okay. I am as one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Denise calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Denise. Hi, Nancy and Curtis. First of all, congratulations to both of you for your anniversary and also Thank the you. work that you do. Thank you. Uh, Nancy, I had mentioned to Curtis, I don't think he remembers, on a different um, st- uh, you know, time slot, that I've had more than double the amount of cat- feral cats that you have now. And I've wow. made sure that, uh, yes, so I've devoted my life. I'm an animal lover ever since I was a little tot. So I had a vet that was wonderful, that worked with me. Everybody got spayed and neutered. Everybody had shots. I even learned how to give shots at home. I worked with my vet in conjunction. So, um, and nobody can tell me that a feral cat cannot cannot come into a house and turn into the most lovable and uh, adorable. And one wanted to be picked up like a baby and had that little belly scratch. But it takes a lot of patience, a lot. Give them their space communicate without words, talk to them softly, don't be overpowering. So uh, do, I just wanted to let you know that I have a background with cats, okay, to say the very least. Okay? Uh, well, there's extensive uh, background, and obviously we have come across many people, uh, Nancy, not only here, but where we have chapters uh, in Baltimore and Florida, where likewise there are whole groups of people that you wouldn't even expect at times to be caring for dogs, caring for cats and other animals that either have been abused, uh, have been neglected, uh, have been abandoned, or have been uh, surrendered to shelters where they were facing a date of execution, if not claimed, and people would go and claim them. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Momentarily, we'll be joined by Dominic Carter, and then when he's through uh, for the uh, hour to one, I'll be doing the wraparound because Frank Morano once again is footloose and fancy free, this time in Hawaii. Boy, do I have some intel, some information I'm going to be sharing with all of you. Nobody go to sleep. We're going to be going to the break of dawn. Uh, but uh, I'm really going to give it to Dominic Carter because he's just been nothing but shielding Frank Morano. Back, though, to the phones we go about our animal welfare issues. Let's go to Drew calling from Staten Island. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Drew. Oh, yeah. How you doing? I was like kind of like falling asleep waiting to go on. But anyway, I want to wish you a very uh, happy um, anniversary. Thank you. you. And your wife. 
Yeah, now, now and, ho- um, ho- hold on, Jay. You you were just about to fall asleep on me. Do you understand what an insult that is to a talk show host or hostess? Thank you, thank to, you. To have somebody fall asleep on them. Do you realize that? What did you do to stay awake? Did you smack yourself in the face? Did you put your yeah. feet in the toilet and flush it? That's a poor man's jacuzzi. Did you put ice on the back of your neck? What did you do to stay awake, Drew? Oh God! And I, I just popped up. I heard your voice, and I, I, I popped up right away. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that, that, uh, that's a good enough answer. That's a get rid of him, true. You know, I, I got to tell you, uh, lately we had Elaine in Queens. We had Juan in Boston, who was originally from Bolivia. They fell asleep on me. Now, Chris Libertini, the voice of WABC, has made a promo of it. It's so embarrassing. And Drew had the nerve to suggest that he was on the verge of doing a deep dive into a REM sleep. Not not on my shift. There'll be a price to pay. But let's go to Kurt, my namesake in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kurt. Hi, Curtis. Listen, I'm not going to tell you any bad cop donut jokes, okay? No problem. All right. No, he, listen, I'm an animal lover. Right now, I, I have a dog, all right? He's a pit bull. And I also love cats. I want to. I want to. I want to say. I'm trying to make this really quick. About a seven or eight approximate walk from my apartment where I live. All right, there is a house and has this big wraparound porch. And anytime you go over there, all right, you always see cats on the wall. And they're just sitting up there. And the guy's got this great sign on the wall. It says, "Cats welcome. Dogs use side entrance." Cats welcome dogs use side entrance. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought you would appreciate that because I know that you love cats. And here's another thing, all right, that, that I am against. I don't care what kind of an animal it is. Not even mice. Look, I don't like living with mice, all right? But I, I, I do not like blue traps. Do you know the, how they kill a mouse? Huh? The mouse struggles once they get stuck to that trap. And they, 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 they tear their inside apart. It is a painful death, and I do not like that. No, there's no doubt. You're absolutely right. Uh, I've seen myself. I've come across those glue traps, and you see the mouse has struggled for hours and hours. It's it's a torture. It's it's a, a real torture. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. It's the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. Let's go to Michael in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael. Ridgewood. New Jersey, the, uh, before I get to what I really wanted to say, the uh, duck pond is a mess. They haven't done any work on it. And there's a wonderful uh, dog walking area at the park. Wow, so I spent days uh, of my life there that I'll never get back feeding the ducks <laughs> in the duck pond in Ridgewood, New Jersey, in Bergen County. The last time you called up, Michael, it seemed like it was a, a year ago. What the hell is taking so long to fix the duck pond? <laughs> I have no idea. Just talk to the board of uh, chosen freeholders. Oh, you mean the freeloaders, the freeloaders. Now, now Correct. I understand. Now I understand. Oh, yeah. Oh, They've yeah. got a wonderful, anybody with a dog is welcome to bring their dog to the dog park area and walk around the dog. I got to tell you, though. You got to beware of the uh, the dogs that are certified pets. 
pet uh, therapy dogs. Ah, now that's something I wanted to ask you, Nancy. Increasingly, more and more people as they get into the aging time of their life when they either have no children or grandchildren around, they may have lost their uh, partner uh, who is no longer around, they are acquiring therapy dogs, and there have been studies after studies that say they're more buoyant, they're more active, it helps ward off uh, maybe the first signs of dementia and Alzheimer's, and that it's somebody that they can interact uh, with that they never thought it would be possible to treat as if they were a family member or a friend in their own home. Oh, yeah. So I definitely agree with that. Um, I would say 100%. If there's anyone who can be put on that list, and with animals, uh, I guess they call them you know, sort of like uh, comforting animals. But the reality is, Anything that makes someone feel better, I mean, this is the consistent, like, no matter how many stories you hear, you know, on the media, whatever, oh, this, it, it, everything comes down to stress levels. Anything that makes you calm down and makes you sort of uh, feel a little comfortable. So the reality is animals make people feel comfortable, so it's such a perfect mix. It's people who are looking for someone to hang out to and animals where they're looking for someone to visit them. It's like such a perfect mix. So if you don't recognize, like, that's a perfect mix right there, and then everyone's feeling better. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything that really quantifies that, but it's a reality. When people are happy... It's just like a happy thing, like uh, endorphins. Whatever's going on in the body, it's making people feel better and it's making people healthier. So, yeah. Now, speaking, you are, it's better. speaking of the reality, we saw the film uh, that accompanied the uh, Queen's 70th anniversary of uh, being in charge of the Royal Kingdom. They had yeah. the pomp, the ceremony, the march, and they had animal rights activists who jumped over the barricades to try to block uh, the procession. Uh, a lot of people have condemned them. Uh, what What was your thoughts when you observed how they were laying down in the ground and trying well, to man, prevent? I mean, again, in, in terms of animal rights activists, it's like, I mean, I certainly would hope that. I mean, I think ultimately the message that's trying to be uh, presented is, you know, alerting people to something. Maybe they don't know what's going on. Because the reality is with trying to assist animals, it's such a huge hurdle to make anything happen. So even when there's some sort of formal acknowledgement, like, oh, the animals are doing great. Oh, we're doing something in their, you know, on their behalf. Chances are it's not really doing anything in that sense. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very on board with, uh, you know, civil disobedience, which is basically what this is. This isn't like aggressive, uh, you know, behavior. It's more or less like what you would hope civil disobedience would look like. It's, you know, just drawing attention to an issue. So that's kind of what it is. And the reality is, it's like very basic stuff. You know, you're just saying, oh, you're already giving funds to an issue. Well, why not do it the right way? And why not do it in a way that benefits the animal? So, 
I mean, to whatever extent you can do that stuff, like I'm on board with that. Like I have no, uh, I'll, you know, there's nothing negative to me about that. All right. If anybody was interested in uh, partaking in discussion with you about animal welfare issues, how can they reach you, uh, Nancy? Well, uh, they can email nancy at guardianangels.org. That's nancy at guardianangels.org. And if you'd like to see all the great work that Nancy and the Guardian Angel volunteers do about animal welfare issues, just go to guardianangels.org. That's guardianangels.org. And you hit the tab that says Guardian Angel uh, Animal Protection Division. And if you want to meet and greet uh, Nancy on her fifth anniversary, why not plan to join us, like so many other WABC listeners, this Thursday, June 9th, in Homedale, New Jersey, at the PNC Bank Art Center. The best thing about it, it's free. It's free for everybody. And it stars Cousin Brucie, the iconic figure now here on Saturday nights at WABC from 6 to 10. He'll be the MC. You'll be entertained by Tommy James and the Shandells, Little Anthony and the Imperials, the 1910 Fruit Gum Company, and the rising star here at WABC who has uh, overshadowed Frank Morano, who was considered to be the Staten Island kid no more after recent performances by Vinnie Madugno here, a teacher at Richmond High School by day in the shadow of the Bayonne Bridge. He goes out and sings at night. He spins stacks of wax here both uh, Saturdays from 5 to 6 before his mentor, Cousin Brucie. And now so nice management is letting him do it twice on Sunday nights from 5 to 6 right before Joe Piscopo, Jersey Joe, and the two-hour Sinatra extravaganza put on by Ramsey Mazda. And he'll be at that event. So you get to meet the rising star at WABC, the real Staten Island kid, Vinny Maduno. Once again, congratulations, Nancy. It's the best decision I ever made to marry you. And uh, let's just enjoy ourselves at the Garden State Arts Foundation Cousin Brucey live show on Thursday. I hope to see everybody there. WABC. York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oh, it's taking a page right out of the drama. Enveloping Mariah Carey, the diva of all divas, who's being sued because of her rendition. We'll talk about it later on as I do the wraparound because Frank Morano has decided to stay in Hawaii. You're going to get more of me after Dominic Carter signs off the air at 1. I'll be taking you to the 5 o'clock hour to the break of dawn. But, Dominic, I first want to salute you for the fabulous anchoring job you did with John Katsimatidis today right along the line of march on fifth avenue for the resurrection of the um, greek independence day parade they like other parades was on the shelf ever since the lockdown and pandemic for two years the crowd was pumped the floats were great it's a lot of greek uh, greek american pride there. It, it was outstanding i have i had never been uh to this parade in particular but it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, I noticed there were some Armenian flags there. There's a lot of solidarity between the Greeks and the Armenians. 
And then my son, Anthony, as you know, he's 18. He's an intern here. He'll be graduating soon. Congratulations. Uh, uh, He was in the line of march. He was flying the Ukrainian flag, which he flies everywhere. Most people were positive about the Ukrainian flag. But there's always some negatives in the crowd. And with 100 days uh, of war now that Putin triggered off with his invasion, uh, when I become Frank Morano from 1 to 5, I'm going to get into that. But you're a good friend of Frank Morano, right? Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Right. Here we go. No, 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 no. I'm trying to help. Yes, it's called the setup. All right. You uh, have had children. You've had two children, right? Yes. Okay. I've had three. Frank Morano has had his first, young Carmine. And uh, it would behoove him to take an opportunity to do what a lot of workers do now when they develop a hybrid work schedule. Because let's face it, the last two Fridays and Mondays, he hasn't been here. Shooting craps, you know, on Monday, losing all of his money in Hawaii. And boy, do I got the inside scoop of what's going on there. In Hawaii. Hawaii, yes. (laughs) Well, he can say France and I can say Hawaii. Uh, At his brother's wedding, Nicholas, uh, an avowed communist, he announced it on the Jesse Waters Fox News Channel show when he was interviewed. He really is a communist. Uh, Actually, uh, I believe he has secured an interview with a person he desperately wanted attention from, former Congresswoman Telsey Gabbard, who lives there, and very much agrees with Frank and Bernard McGurk in the morning that we've given too much support to the Ukrainians. So I think he's coming back with her interview. You remember, you always be opining, oh, she won't talk to me. She won't give me any play. I love, I love, I adore Tulsi Gabbard, woman in white. God, it was embarrassing there. Come on, Dominic, for a while. So this is my suggestion. We set up Frank uh, Morano on a hybrid work schedule. So he doesn't have to be here Monday. He doesn't have to be here Friday. I'll substitute for him. And he can do his other side at midnight on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, and Thursday, just like the rest of the workforce. And these are the benefits. A, he'll have more time with Carmine, bonding, you know, father with his son, very important. And Rachel, who is his extraordinary wife, I don't think people realize she's from Long Island. She worked for Long Island Newsday, was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for her series, which was about the steady drumbeat of headlines over those tests revealing chemicals in the local public drinking water wells from the Hamptons to the Gold Coast. She did a deep dive on that, 12 articles. And you could appreciate this as the journalist you are. She was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. Naturally, when she gave birth to Carmine, she had to stay at home. Now she's back working as a journalist And I think that would be fair. I mean, that's what you do. You let this potential Pulitzer Prize winning journalist go back and do what she does best. And Frank Morano, the mamaluke that he is, can stay at home a little more and take care of Carmine. And so with this idea, you want me to say what? I want you to be the intermediary. I want you to sort of um, settle down his ruffled feathers. Uh You know, he is the, the ratings leader here at WABC, and he might take this as a condemnation, or as he calls it, a declination, right? It's for his own good. You know that. You've raised kids. I mean, come on. 
This is the time to bond with karma. I wish people could see the look of disgust on your face. I really do. Now, let's talk about the guy who was featured in your promo before you come on, Eric Adams, a mayor who is feeling the heat now from the media. Out of nowhere, like a jack-in-the-box, he pulls out this guy, a rabbit out of his hat, a guy named uh, uh, Andre... uh, Whatever the hell, Martin. I, I forgot his last name. Yeah, I, I, I it is a forgettable person. <laughs> it's Andre T. And then I Mitchell, forgot the last Mitchell. name. Okay, there we go. Uh, he made him his gun czar. Mm-hmm. I believe it's an unpaid position. In fairness, yeah, like his uh, brother Bernard, who was mm. parking cars at the uh, University of Virginia Commonwealth, and then got summoned back to protect, save him from white supremacists uh, that were threatening him. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that. But this guy, Mitchell, guns are, right, did a murder rap, manslaughter rap upstate, did a time for dealing drugs, was the head of this nonprofit Man Up in which he was getting millions of dollars from the DeBasio administration, hasn't filed any paperwork since 2018, hasn't reported to Tish James or the IRS, apparently had hired his uh, daughter for 60 Gs, his son for 30 Gs, his half-brother, He's a hot mess when it comes to that. What the hell do we need a gun czar for? Well, I I asked the same question on Friday night because um, I don't know exactly. It just seems like further red tape, to be honest with you. Um, That's why we elect the mayor, as you were one of two men that would be mayor of New York City. If If it were Mayor Sliwa, I would say to you, what are you doing about the crime, the crime problem, sure, the drug sure, problem? Sure. Not, not a drug czar. I don't even think you would do something like no, that. No, but, no. Um, First of all, those things never work. You create a right. czar. It actually uh, forces more attention on the issue because your right. czar never delivers. But this guy, right, he leads what they call violence interrupters. Right. So now, you're in the community, I guess you're in the hood, right. you meet with one gang leader, you would know better than of anyone, course, but one gang leader to, the, to their, the next. Their code, they operate on the code of snitches get stitches and end mm-hmm. up in ditches. Right. So how are they going to work with the police? The police say, hey, you got a lead? No, we don't talk to the cops. There was a gun buyback by DEA McMahon in Staten Island Saturday. That, that would have been his first opportunity as the guns are to show up there in Staten Island. 42 guns were brought in. The cops were there, the DA, the assistant DAs. Do you know that these violence interrupters never show up at gun buybacks because they don't want to be seen with government because it might affect their ability Mm. to communicate in the streets? Well, on the manslaughter rap, he claims that um, I think he did a couple of years in prison. I know he did a couple of years in prison. He claims that he didn't commit the crime. Of course. Everyone in the joint says, I didn't do it. Come on, Dominic. I've never been I'm, into I'm, a prison. I'm trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm, well, I'm trying the well, best and that hopefully, I can. Hopefully, Matt, you'll play the cut. Could you play the cut of him talking about how black people cannot be racist? He had to catch himself and walk himself back at your friend's uh, <clears throat> storefront uh, facility, Al Slim Shady Sharpton, the National Action Network, on Saturday. There's no difference between... A white racist assassin in Buffalo and a black racist, let me back that up because I think we can't even be racist, a black miseducated 
misguided missile with a pistol in his hand. Let me back that up. A black man cannot be a racist like uh, Frank James, the guy who shot up that train uh, with all his YouTube postings. Uh, the black Hebrew Israelites who are as racist as you can get. And this guy is the gun czar for the city of New York. Of course, an African-American can be racist just like anyone else can be racist. And, you know, I, I, I know that you're trying to bring a... a a spotlight sunshine to sheer ignorance going on in city government. The way I deal with it is just to completely ignore a guy like this. I mean, you know, he went before Sharpton's organization and basically said nothing, you know, and this is the incoming guns are while city investigators have said, where's a few million dollars of city money Yes. while he has the manslaughter conviction. It just doesn't look well. Well, Eric was uh, at a black congregation earlier today. Mm-hmm. In which and the parade. He, right. You guys see well, that's good. Other? That was good he was at the parade. No, we didn't see. It was good he paid uh, paid respect to the Greek-American uh, population here. But amongst the black congregation, he was saying, the media is picking on me. The media is picking on me. And then there's got to be a cut you play for Dominic Lady. He goes, you better not be a Negro to me. And I said... That's like dropping the end bomb. 